All right, Hotshot Scott. Yes. Episode 111. One, one, one. I'm not sweating as much as I did the previous few games. I was still sweating when I came over to your house after the previous few games. Oh, because it was an easier victory? <laughs> Felt easier, yeah. You know why they won? And easier. You know why it was easier? Because I was wearing <laughs> my brand new. So honestly, now don't just don't blow smoke up my ass. How do you like this? How do you like this t-shirt? I like the shirt a lot. I just don't. The person wearing it, it's throwing me off a little bit. Why the shirt? Well, you know, doesn't fit me. No, no, no. Just you know, the shirt's nice, but the face of you know that's throwing me off a little <laughs> <God>. bit. <laughs> the face is throwing you off. It's awesome. I got to tell you, this is my new shirt. From the Seattle Shirt Company, who's doing a promotion with our patrons. Yes. Patrons should know this by now. 50% off Seahawks stuff. And I decided before I sent out the code word, there's actually a code word that gets you the 50% off. I can't say it here. I can only say it to patrons. But there's a code word. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to end up wanting to buy stuff anyway at 50% off. It's all Seahawks stuff for patrons. I better go through the process and do it before I send out the code and have everybody else go, oh. just to make sure it works. <laughs> right, gotcha, okay? yeah, yeah. Troubleshoot it. <laughs> Jay is my buddy, and I can tell you the whole story, but but I just wanted to make sure that the process worked before That's smart. I yeah. unleashed the dogs. A couple things uh, about yes, this. Yes, I, I love the, it looks like the vintage colors, the, the green and the blue. See how the Seahawks is in green? I love that. Yeah. And I, the, the older logo, too. It looks like the, like the original logo. It looks awesome. I okay. love it. It's a little distressed. It's a very so. I don't like That's stuff exactly. that I don't like stuff that just pops out at you. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it's the cotton. It's a, it's something called Forty Seven. Do you know Forty Seven shirts? No. It's a company that makes a lot of these shirts called okay. Forty Seven. The cotton. Now I haven't washed it yet. Maybe I should have washed it before I wore it. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to wear it for the Dolphin Seahawks game. It is so soft. I'm gonna have trouble not wearing it to sleep because <laughs> like, I need soft. I mean, it is. It's like the softest cotton. I've ever had. Like so, wearing a cloud. Yeah. And the best part of it is it cost me like 14 bucks. Right. Well, we talked about it. On I think the- it was 28 down to 14 or 29 down to 14 and a half, something like that. Steel. I mean, we talked about it on the, on the Patreon. Stuff. So yeah. what is the deal with this? How do you know this guy? How did this all come okay, about? Okay, so the story is that my son, Max, the oldest one, went to preschool. They're a year difference, but they went to pre-pre, I think it's pre-preschool. <laughs> Max was a very advanced with a guy age. With a guy's son, <laughs> okay. who's actually named Mitch. He's a year younger than Max. Um, and then, very sadly, this guy's wife died of cancer really young, and he ended up remarrying one of my wife's friends. Okay. Okay, so we've been friends, Jay and I, and he owns this shirt company. He got mad at me on the patron show because I called it a little couple of little stores. Oh, he got he, he was offended by that. <laughs> now, you know, you know how they 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 kind of try to just bring it up as if ha ha ha. I can't believe it. And you could tell sure, yeah, it yeah. really was bothering mm-hmm. him. He doesn't want to admit that it bothered yeah, him. Okay, yeah. He's got three stores. They aren't little stores. I won't call them little stores. Full size. You know, <laughs> he's got a shirt store down on the pier. He's got another one down in, I think, Pioneer Square, right around there. Yeah. And then he's got the one in Leavenworth. And he also does an online business. And he came to me about, I don't know, three, four, five weeks ago. And he said, listen, I've got a ton. I've got Kraken stuff coming in. i got a ton of Seahawks stuff that's just sitting that I've had for the, for the last year or two. Just a ton of Seahawks shirts yeah. and different kind of gear and pullovers and shirts and he says i it's just it's just sitting in inventory would you would you like to sell it or do something with it if i can if i can do like a cost thing or a 50 percent thing i say yeah 
because I'm always looking for things to do for the patrons. I kind of feel guilty having patrons pay $5 a month. So I try to give them different little things, little perks. And so I said, yeah, what if we offered to just the patrons, I'll send them a code on the patron site, Mm -hmm. you know, send it directly to them where they, where they put the code in the little box and everything goes fit and they go to fit. And he's like, done, done 50%. So he's got 182 different Seahawks. Now I went through them. I don't think there's hats. You asked no, me about are hats. hats. Are there hats? Yeah, did I saw you go hats. through it? Okay. I went through everything. Oh, you did? There's vin- Have you gotten anything? Not yet. There's a lot of women's stuff. I was surprised at how many how many women's pieces they have. How many Seahawks women's yeah. pieces. Well, yeah, it's a different cut. You know, not women don't yeah. always like the the regular t-shirt cut, you know. Right. Just, so I sent the link to my daughter to look yeah. at, but she went away for the weekend with a friend. Ah. But she's going to look at it and we're going to get yeah. her some stuff. So I got something for Brett and something for me just as a test to make sure it worked right. Yeah. And I got to go back now and get Max and my wife and whatever. That was fast. But uh, it worked. It worked beautifully. Right. And um, it's they got 182 different pieces of Seahawks something, mostly shirts and sweatshirts yep. and pullovers. All and kinds. All kinds. Yep. Now, I will say that some of the items, they don't have a lot of different sizes in terms of a lot of quantity at each size, so they may sell out on sizes. I apologize if they yep. don't have your size when you go to do it, but if you are a patron, you uh, you go to your patron site, you'll see it. I posted the little uh, the little code. I don't want to say what the code is, obviously. <laughs> it's a little code. It's a little code. <laughs> it's a little not a little store, store okay. but it's a little code, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm good. And I mean, a lot of people love like the, the vintage stuff. They have a lot of vintage stuff. Would you call this vintage I stuff? I think so, because it's, it's got the green. The, the I'll Seahawks take a picture of it and send it out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and it does look. If you said you had that for 20 years, I would believe I you. I love it that yeah, way. Yeah, it's cool. That's the way I want it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and like my son's was like 11 bucks. Yeah, no, steal. It's 22 down to 11, and this one I think was, I think, 28 down to 14. So you, yeah. you you punch in the code when you're checking out, and it just slices everything in half. The only so. time you see Seahawks stuff for sales when they are eliminated from the playoffs, because <laughs> all that stuff immediately <laughs> goes on sale that they have. But well, we're not just, during the season. Okay, but awesome. we're just doing this for October. That's the deal. Okay. We're going to do this for October, and maybe people aren't thinking stocking stuffers or Christmas presents. Yeah, you know that you're going to get to about December fifteenth and think, shit. <laughs> right. I wish I had like. 10 of those shirts at half price that I could just give to kids and brothers and sister-in-laws and uncles and and whatever. I wish I had just done what Mitch said. (laughs) And and so so do it in October if you want to do it. Now, there was one little snafu. Okay. And by snafu, let me define snafu. I got this this email. Mitch, let me... I got a few of these emails, but I'm just going to read one. Okay. Mitch, let me get this straight. You offer half-price Seahawks stuff to your patrons... And the first thing we see on the website is a Merino jersey. Coincidentally, on the one week in four years that the Hawks are playing the Dolphins. Uh Uh-huh. Signed Bob in Phoenix from Shoreline. Did I not send the same thing to you on a text? Yes, you did. Okay, thank you. Okay, I got a bunch of these. That didn't go over my head. Okay, okay. (laughs) Okay, let me just just say I'm going to look you in the eye and you're just going to have to believe me. Okay. This is totally random happenstance. I had nothing to do with this. It's true, though. The first thing you see yeah. is a Merino. They ask you if you'd like a nice number 13 Merino jersey. Yeah. It's like. It's a pop-up. The first thing you yeah. see, yeah. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it like, oh, Mitch's, Mitch's listeners are going to now pop in. I'm going to go ahead and put the, the, the Merino jersey up yeah, there yeah, so yeah. that he has something. <laughs> now, it's just, it just happens to be, I guess they sell a lot of jerseys on these sites. It happens to be there. I swear to you, I had not. This was not a conspiracy. Crazy. 
How about the fact that it's the week they play once every four years, and I happen to do this, and this website yeah. has the Dolphins jersey in the forefront. Even if you would have done it two weeks ago, the fact that Marino popped up, <laughs> I mean, no matter what week you did it, it would have been weird. I swear. <laughs> now you got to buy swear. one. <laughs> I swear. So if you're a patron out there and you want to take advantage of a half-price opportunity, there's lots of Seahawks stuff. And I'm going back. I'm going to get more. Yep, I'm into it. I really like this. Good. I really like this. Anyway, uh, Mitch Unfiltered is available just about everywhere where podcasts are found. This is 111. Seems like everyone listens to Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. Toss us a five-star rating if you don't mind. Maybe even write a review. We haven't had a lot of reviews on the Apple Podcasts recently, so if you haven't written a review, go ahead and write a review. Make it somewhat nice. Yeah. You can become a patron, five bucks a month, MitchUnfiltered.com. Uh, we're now up to three to four new patron shows every week. That's right. We have the P show that you and I do, the full show that comes out on Thursday mornings. We have the now the Seahawks No Table, which mm-hmm. I call. I don't know if you've listened to it yet. Brady, Henderson, Joe Fan, myself, and a guest from like Miami for the Dolphins game. By the way, our predictions were all I mean, it was unbelievable how close all three of our predictions were to the final score of the Dolphins. Really? That yeah. close? Oh. Brady had thir- what was the final score? 31-23? I think so. 31-23. Yeah. Brady had 30-24. I had 27-23. Oh wow. And I think Joe had 35 something, you know, 31. I, I don't remember. All of us right right around it. Right around a touchdown difference maybe or Well, he Brady was two points, one point on each team. Oh, yeah. It was 31-23. He had 30-24. That's crazy. So he won the closest to the pin. Anyway, we do a Seahawks note table with Brady, Joe, and guests. We also do a fantasy football show each week with Crab Cakes, Kenny Z. He's one of the best at giving advice for lineups and the peace show. And then we also do, from time to time, another golf installment with Play Better Golf with Rick Fair. So we've got all that. And we've got How'd You Do? Before we start the show, how did Hotshot Scott do? We've been complaining all week that both of us were three and six in the Beat the Boys competition presented by Fireside Home Solutions. How'd you do? I got a bit of a bone to pick with you, first of all. Okay, if this is about me changing one of the games because you don't watch Twitter or look at your emails because I've sent emails and tweets out to announce that there was a change, tell me that you... Are you going to tell me that you didn't know that there was a change? That's what I'm telling you. Okay, well, that's your own. You got a bone to pick with me? Yeah, but we're on a team here. Don't you want me to be in on this? I sent an email. Send me an t- email. What is it? What did you want me to do? Call? You want me to want me to go over to your house, knock on your door? Like, what about Bob? And say, hey, I changed the game. Don't forget to do it. If only this. I had a device that I'm constantly staring at to be reached at. Just to confirm that I, I got the, the change. You get emails on your device. You I get tweets on your device. I purposely don't check my email during the weekend. I just, because it's work. Weekend, it's, I did it during the week. No, I didn't. The email I did yesterday. Yeah, weekend's bad. Oh, but to be shit. fair, I would have taken Dallas. They're at home. I would have taken Dallas. Well, I took them for you. <laughs> <laughs> I also have Jacksonville and Buffalo. How am I doing? Uh, that'd be one and two. Yeah. Well, there you go. So you're now four and eight out of 12 games. It's well done. You're supposed to be helping. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I went two and one. <sighs> oh, okay. That's not bad. That's not I don't bad. Think, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to gain a lot of ground and a lot of people unless they maybe forgot to do it. I had, I had Cincinnati over Jacksonville, which was a winner. 
I had Buffalo over the Raiders, and then I trusted Dallas would get back on track after this. Yeah. They must be just – their defense must be the worst defense in the national – No, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know how bad they – every time I look – I think Cleveland had like 30 points in the first half. They had like 400 yards in the first half. I know. I couldn't believe it. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. So I had I, – I, I went 2-1, and one, you went 1-2. and two. So we went 500. No, no, no. I went two and one, yeah. and you went one and two. We didn't go five hundred. <laughs> I think we went okay. three and three. You as went a team. one and two, <laughs> and I went two and one in All the right. beat the boys competition. So <laughs> next week is weekend number five. Yes, and I owe people the code. Yep. And I was trying to come up with a code, like okay. a funny code this week. All right. And here's what I came up with. Here's I'm ready. Your, here's your official code to be able to make your picks for week. I'm writing four. it down. You ready? Yep. <laughs> That's the code? How the hell am I going to spell that? You spell it S-N-I-F-F. All right, gotcha. Again, the code for weekend number five to be able to make your picks in the Beat the Boys competition is... <laughs> That's it. All right, so it's you not You want to like, try it? It's not F-F-G-G-F-F-G-G. Okay. No, no. You want to try it? Sure. Try it. The code for week number five in the Beat the Boys competition yes. is... <laughs> Easy enough. Why do I feel like we're going to have more of the later in the show? Maybe a little bit. Maybe. Beat the Boys is uh, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Don't forget the football season is fireplace season, and FiresideHomeSolutions.com is the perfect place to begin your search for a fireplace. All right. Three guests on episode 111. You want to know who they are? Yes, sir. We've got Brady Henderson, right, who covers the Seahawks, the four and O Seahawks after their win over the Dolphins. And I thought he made a typo earlier when I'm looking at Twitter, and he's listing the inactives. He put Carlos Hyde, and I'm thinking, well, he should you have put the Chris- r- you got the wrong running. Back. You got the wrong running back. <laughs> so I vowed to Brady Henderson, I'll never doubt you again. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, what Carlos about? Hyde. The, well, by the way, what about that fact that? That Carson does play I, and Carlos Hyde doesn't play. I have it in my What notes. happened there? I, I, I don't know what happened. I thought he, I thought he made a typo, but I'm sorry, Brady, you oh did not. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah I gotta, we got to talk about Chris Carson later. Bad things no, or just good things? The fact that he played after that injury. Not only played, but Damn looked exactly straight. the same. Damn straight. Well, he's a grown man, Chris Carson. Damn straight. So we've got Brady Henderson of ESPN talking about the Seahawks' fourth win in a row over the Dolphins. We've got a New Heisel back. Both of them are courtesy of Taco Time Northwest and the Taco right. Time Northwest app. Don't forget to order ahead. You've got Brady Henderson of ESPN.com. You've got Rick Neuheisel. The Pac-12 schedule's out. Have you looked at your, yeah. your UW schedule? Do you like the UW schedule? Do you not like the UW schedule? Where just, are you it, it, I'm indifferent. It just feels weird. It feels strange. Everything so, feels strange. Yeah, it just feels, yeah. And then we've got one of the chief economists in the United States who wrote a big article about how the, the business of college football is broken and that it's being exposed during the pandemic. And there are going to be certain athletic departments and certain football programs that are going to have trouble weathering financially this storm. And it's going to lead to the haves and the haves-nots being more polarized than ever. The haves are going to get better. The have-nots are going to go down the toilet. Some programs may cease to exist. Some athletic departments are going to have to cancel sports. They've already started doing that. This economist, who's not a sports guy, just kind of delved into... The business of college football. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So we're having them here on episode one. Can't wait to hear. I'm okay. Hotshot, you and everyone else knows that we don't start any brand new episode of Mitch Unfiltered without at least paying homage to our partners, our sponsors, which make it all possible. The Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage, Jordan Flowers and his team 
alerted me that they're getting families now as low as 2.6% standard rate reductions and 3% on cash out refis. So you're giving money away each month if you don't just check into it. Give Jordan's team five to seven minutes on the phone and find out what you could be saving each and every month in your mortgage. Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengk.com. Find out what Tyler Hayes Group does. Read their free newsletter, starting with making the right decisions, which will be felt by your family for years to come. Evergreen Golf Call is a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Zeke's Pizza, all 17 locations now open, two more on the way. Extra safe precautions. Delivery has become Zeke's staple. I'm a cherry bomb guy. Brett loves cheese like my mother. Max insists on mushrooms because he knows I won't touch them. Download the app. Pizza and Growlers are at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest Zeke's Pizza. And Daniel's Broiler, three of the four locations now open. Bellevue Place, South Lake Union, Leshy. Big news, South Lake Union now joining Leshy and offering $40 bottles of Vouve Clicquot champagne, regularly $145 because this is the 40th year birthday of Daniel's Broiler. You will not find a better price on Vouve anywhere in the world for that matter. Remember, Daniel's Broiler does offer delivery and pickup if you don't want to dine in. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Okay. Now I'm ready. Episode 111, 111 starts right now. Unfiltered. I think DK Metcalf was watching himself on the screen, and that's why he kind of slowed down. He was admiring himself on the screen and maybe didn't see the guy behind. I'm willing to completely discount this. They won. He's been great. He caught the game winning. He's a young guy. If it does ever happen again, he would officially become the biggest idiot (laughs) in the history of the national football. That's unfiltered. Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, who I think is the worst commissioner in all of, of major college sports finally said something that Mitch Levy completely concurs with, even though we are both losers because it's already been voted down. It's just going to be too hard to ask a group of 12 men and women or whatever it is, 16 men and women, to decide who the four best and most qualified and most deserving yeah. teams to play in the national championship. We're going to say, you win the Pac-12, you're in. You win the Big Ten, you're in. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 111 is now officially underway with my friend Hotshot Scott Soden. This is 100. You asked me last week, should we be doing the numbers? Do we yeah, miss doing the numbers? It, yeah. This is episode 100 and Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. This is episode 100 and Julio Jones. This is episode 100 and <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. This is episode 100 Ky- Kyrie Irving. 100 Clay Clay, Clay Thompson, 100 Mark Messier, 100 Yao, 100 Barry Larkin, 100 Marcus Tuiasosopo. There you go. There's your, they're your numbers. I well, bring I w- back the numbers. I would have gone 100 Danny White is what I would have oh. gone. Oh, oh, for the Cowboys. Why would you do? I, I, yeah. I don't know. I just remember How Danny about White. 100 Sebastian Janikowski? That's right. Oh, yes. First round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Seahawks kicker. Sebastian Janikowski in his later days. You know what the Cowboys should do? I was thinking they should bring back. Do you remember when the offensive line would stand up and then go into their stance for the Cowboys? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Do I know what you're talking about? That was during the heyday, like with Roger Staubach and Landry. What I loved about Danny White is that he punted. 
That's right. He did punt. He was also the punter. <laughs> I forgot about so that. So you always thought that there was a fake punt coming sure. at any moment. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want a little NBA trivia to start NBA off the show? NBA trivia. What do you say? Stump the band? Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's, I thought it was pretty cool that only four people in the history of the NBA yeah. have played in 10 or more NBA finals. And I bring it up because LeBron James is now one of them. This is his, that weird that this is his 10th NBA final? So who are the other three is the question. That have played in 10 or ten. more NBA finals. There's three guys that have done it. Three after LeBron, yes. I mean, you can sort of figure okay, out. Okay, like, well, Bill Russell oh, did. That's one, okay. of course, yeah. Um, did Michael Jordan play in 10? I don't know that he did. He didn't, no. Because he won six and he didn't lose that many. Yeah. So who would have played in 10 NBA finals? So some other guys on that Boston one team. One more on the Boston team. Like a Bob Cousy or a, a Tommy Heinsohn or a J- Havlicek stole the ball. Havlicek <laughs> stole the ball. Who, somebody like that? Yes. His name is Sam Jones. Oh, Sam Jones, yeah. of course. Hall of Famer, I sure, think. Sure, the, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Sam Jones. Yeah. And then another Laker. Another Laker played in 10 NBA finals. Like an old-time Laker? Or Retired so- in 89, maybe. Retired in arguably the greatest player of all time who... Held every record there. You might still hold every record in the NBA. Oh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There you go. That, that's the other one. Played so, in 10, huh? Kareem, Russell, Sam Jones, and LeBron And you like this trivia question, why? The what fact that only it? four? What, what said to you, hey, I got to bring this into Mitch Unfiltered? Well, the fact that you couldn't what get them all. What yelled to you about this? I knew trivia? you wouldn't be able to get them all. Oh, I, I like to stump you. I had to <laughs> help you. I had to help you with the, you know, Sam Jones and help you with Kareem a little bit. So I like the fact that you didn't know it. That's why I like it, if you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> you're a pain in the ass. Really? Well, it's, okay. I mean, I think it's cool that LeBron's in a pretty exclusive group. That's impressive, 10 finals for LeBron. Well, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. And pretty his shitty teams, teams on Cleveland. I mean, well, he went there a couple of times in Cleveland. He yeah. won it for Cleveland. He went there with Miami. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah, pretty cool. I wish he wasn't there this time around. I wish it was only nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I wish the other LA team were there, but that's a story for another day. All right, I got to. We got a ton of, of little stuff and some big stuff and some Seahawks stuff. You got, I don't know, week, weekend, weekend number four in the NFL is just about over now. We have the Hawks beating the Finns 31-23 and what they're calling the Mitchie Bowl. Yep. I'm calling the Mitchie Bowl. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Um, we had a couple of games postponed because of COVID, yeah, right? that's right. Are they going to play the Patriots and the Chiefs like on Monday night? As a doubleheader, they're going to be two Monday night football games, maybe, I believe maybe, they announced maybe, on Sunday. Oh, really? Monday, yeah. I thought maybe Tuesday. I heard Monday or Tuesday. I think they're doing two NFL Monday night football games. on, And, and New England, Kansas City will be the second one. When Cam Newton, yeah. he tested positive for COVID-19. This has been, would have been a great year to make a futures bet on kind of a long shot. I mean, because... Uh, to win it all? Yeah, to win no. it all. It's not going to be a long shot that wins it all. But I'm saying... All it takes is for someone to catch this thing. Yeah, but when the dust settles, it's not going to be a long shot that wins it all. It's just putting, all right. just throwing money away. All right. There you are, throwing money away. <laughs> I'm known for that. It's for like the betting on the game that doesn't get played and then not knowing that we made a change <laughs> yes. on Beat the Boys. You got you got Tom Brady. Have you seen what Tom Brady did on Sunday in the second half of a game between the Buccaneers and the Chargers? Did you see that? I was keeping an eye on it. He threw five touchdowns. Overall, over the course yeah. of the game. Here are his second second half numbers. Tell me if this is any good. Okay. Uh, 15 of 17, good in the second half. 263 yards in the second half, three touchdowns, and a perfect 158.3 wow. passer rating. 
Well, it's paying In case off. you were starting to think that he didn't have it anymore, he brought his team back from the second largest deficit in Buccaneers team history. I think he threw a pick six in the first half, he did. if I'm not mistaken. He did. second of the year. And I remember seeing it yeah. going, oh, boy, is, is this... He's, he's, did, not, he's not the same Tom yeah, Brady. Father Times caught up and... Uh, no. He did okay. In the yeah, he, did, he redeemed himself. We got the Pac-12 <laughs> schedule out. There's lots of little stuff. You got U-Dub getting ready on November the 7th to, pl- to play Cal and Berkeley in a game they lost last year. I think here, uh, Chase Garbers is the, uh, I believe, is the, the quarterback at Cal. Um, I've blocked out the 2019 season, so. Are you blocked? It out. sounds like you might be blocking out the 2020 <laughs> yeah, season. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> the president and first lady, this is all I'm going to say about this, have are COVID positive. That's news from the week. Yep. We're not going to talk about that, though, because we're not political. Correct. Here on the show. Uh, one week after beating LSU, Mike Leach loses to the worst team in the SEC. Yeah. Did you see that? Very, very. He was the Pied Piper a week ago, and now <laughs> right. he loses the worst team. A team that hadn't won an SEC game in like 12 years. A week ago, he could have got an NFL job <laughs> if he would have tried. <laughs> nope. Okay, you've heard of a fan being ejected from a game, right? Sure. For bad I behavior. may have been one. Have you... Maybe. Have you ever heard of an entire student section being ejected from a game in the middle of the game? <laughs> Never heard Happened that. Happened this weekend. Really? Yeah. The SMU, Southern Methodist University student section. The Pony Express. The Pony Express yeah. student section. The entire student section was asked to leave in the middle of the game. Why? Da, 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 well, maybe they were da. masked up. Ah, Is that right? They weren't following COVID protocol, so they were all ushered out of the game. Well, no more. You're out. You blew it. Who invited them in, though? I mean, I didn't know there was even student sections and by the stadiums. And by the way, I'm sure once they left and they were thrown out, drinking, whatever, they can't drink inside, but you can drink outside. Yeah. I'm sure once they left, they really then... Right. <laughs> Exactly. If I know 20-year-olds. There were three feet, four feet. They put on masks immediately totally. upon leaving. Yeah, yeah. They, they scattered. They weren't sure. near one another. Those yeah. SMU students, those Dallas kids. Very responsible. Absolutely. Well, they were once they left. That's I'm right. sure yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Bob Gibson passed away. I'm sure you're going to mention that in the in the other stuff uh, segment. Yep. How about the – did you watch the Preakness? The pre- Are you a horse racing guy? Uh, I told you I, I used to be. I used to really like it a lot. Yeah. But then uh, was it Barbarossa that broke broke his leg? It was one of those horses that broke their leg. Yeah, I don't think it was called Barbarossa. Was something I, like I, that. I, yeah, yeah. Barbasol. It, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and it just kind of turned me off to it since yeah, then. But I, I know exactly the horse you're talking about. Uh, what you're was talking that horse about? called? Yeah. Barba something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. And they had a yeah. So it's been down. tough for me to watch it ever yeah. since then. But well, I don't I don't go out of my way to watch horse racing. I just happened to uh, Steve Dion happened to send me a text and I looked at my and I looked down, I was like, Oh yeah, the preakness is today. This was Saturday, and I looked at my phone, I kid you not. I was like, I wonder what time the preakness runs. And when my phone says it ran like at two thirty seven, and I look at my clock. And it's 2.37. I just happened <laughs> to look up. So I said to myself, all right, I'm going to turn on the TV and see what happens. Get your bet in and go did watch you, it. Did you watch? Did you see at least the highlight? No. of this? Stri- oh, my God. What happened? It was so exciting. Really? Yeah. Girl versus boy. Dueling two horses that got way out in front and then down the stretch are like literally nose to nose. You had the favorite. The favorite was called Authentic. Everybody thought he was going to win. He was less than two to one, whatever. And then you had this filly and only like four fillies have ever won the Preakness in the history of the thing. Yeah, So you had a girl and a boy going at it, and they were nose to nose. They were literally nose the entire stretch. And they were like 10 feet or 10 paces 
whatever you say, 10 lengths ten ahead lengths, of everybody yeah. else. Everybody else was like, and it was just two horses. Wow. And it was decided by literally, see this? Oh, you would have just been I would have won. Yeah, I yeah, would have won. Sure, yeah. That's how close it was. This one, the, the schnoz, <laughs> absolutely. And down the stretch they come. Oh, my God. It was so exciting. So who won? The girl. Oh, the girl nice. beat the boy. Girl power at 11 About to 1. About time. Yeah. Sorry I don't remember. The, the name is like Swiss Sky Diver, Swiss skydiver. Well, I'm tired right of that male-dominated sport. It's and about the time. Fa- by the way, and she she put together the fastest Preakness. Now, think about this. I know we're not horse racing people. We're not going to pretend to be, but think about this. Okay. The fastest Preakness in the history of the event, except for a horse called Secretariat. Ah, Secretariat. That's- how, how fast yeah. did she go if she, if she had the fastest time in Preakness history outside of a horse called Secretariat? That's impressive. Yeah, good for her. That's great. Incredible. The, the horse was named Barbaro. Barbaro? Not Barbarossa. Yeah, Barbaro. Yeah, yeah, Barbaro. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was rough. Yeah. What else? What other little stuff before we get to the Seahawks? You've got two different college players not watching the DK Metcalf highlight from a week ago and celebrating too early. Right after Is DK. That, yes, come on. After DK Metcalf did it, two college football pl- players did it six days later <laughs> and both got caught. And, and Kentucky, and one guy's from Abilene Christian, and the Kentucky guy who did it caught, ends up costing his team the game. Oh. Because he gets caught, they don't get in, and they lose the game by less than a touchdown. Now, your theory of maybe they're watching themselves on the big screen? Yeah, I don't know about the college kids. Yeah, I, I never said ask. that about the college kids. Was, I, mean, I don't know how colleges do that. I don't know if they have the, yeah. the live feed Some of the game. Out the, I know the NFL does. Yeah. But I don't know if the college – I don't know if A the college is – after that happened to DK Metcalf? Six days. <laughs> oh, my God. Two college players going in for touchdowns, start to celebrate like at the 10-yard line, yeah. get caught. Again, in the Kentucky guy's case, he gets caught. They don't get in. They oh. lose the game. I wonder if there's like a, a no fans, if that's affecting it somehow. I don't know. What, how could that possibly happen three times in a six-day span in, in football? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't probably know happens answer. more than we think. Yeah, it maybe. Happens maybe it does. Think. But the big story, at least for the, the, majority, the vast majority of the people that listen to Mitch Unfiltered, 31-23, Seahawks over the Dolphins. And I was wearing a Seahawks shirt, not a, Dol- not a half Seahawks shirt. And he... Jay doesn't sell half Seahawks shirts and half Dolphins. You probably asked. And if, and if he did, he'd only give me fifty percent off of the Seahawks side. Okay, he wouldn't give me <laughs> full price on the, the full price on the Dolphins side. <laughs> Thirty-one to twenty-three. Your Seahawks are four and zero. How do you feel? First time. Well, let's see. It's the sixth time actually that they've been four and zero. Okay, I, I don't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Love it. Great start. Four and zero can't be better than four and zero. You cannot. And you know. I watched the game with an Atlanta Falcons fan, a lifeline. Where did you find an Atlanta Falcons fan? <laughs> he and his family moved here like from in Atlanta. Your cushion? Did you find him in the cushions? They moved here like two years ago, yeah. and his daughter and my daughter are friends. Mm-hmm. And it was his birthday, and his wife said, hey, if you want to come over for his birthday, watch it. So whatever. And when, it was, when they were up 16 and Miami was driving, he said to me, if, if this was a Falcons game, I would think they're, they're going to lose. If the Falcons had a 16-point lead, or a 60-point deficit, they, they're, they're going to lose. Right. They're going to score, get the two points, going right. to be an onside. And I, I was like thinking, I felt so cool. I was like, well, as a Seahawks fan, we have Russell. So I'm, I'm not worried not about it. they were not down 16. I don't understand. They were not, never down 16. No, but it was, it, when it, it was uh, the, weren't they down? The Dolphins were down 16. The point. Dolphins were. The yeah. Dolphins were. Yeah, yeah. He, so what do you mean? We, I, I, oh, you're saying if the Falcons were ahead 16, yeah. he would say, we're going to lose it out. Oh, we're gonna, oh, okay. Okay. I got it. I, that's, that's, I, I, yeah. I thought, I, thought you said, I thought you said something. But I felt so cool as a Seahawks fan. I wasn't worried at all. Were you worried? When they went down and well, scored and got I wasn't, the two-pointer? It was a different kind of game for me. So. Well, I was going to ask I you. I don't know that I was ever worried or not worried. Okay. 
Would if you somebody on- was going to win that game, would you've honestly been cool with either? Yeah, I would have been cool with either one. Either one, okay. Yeah, yeah I was wondering. I found where your myself head was. pulling for the Seahawks because the Seahawks have, to me, still a lot more to play for. I know I've been saying this for 25 years now, <laughs> since Dan Marino. Left. That's right. But I just can't. I, you know, we can't escape. I was going to say mediocrity. They're not even mediocre. I mean, clearly at the end of the year, we're going to look back to this game and say the Seahawks needed it a lot more than the Miami Dolphins. Well, not clearly. Some people think the Dolphins are going to be in contention for a playoff berth. I don't know about that. I'd have to ask Mr. Postseason that. They got a decent but, quarterback, though. I was pretty impressed with him. He played well. Yeah. He played well. And and but But the Seahawks were the better team. It was pretty clear that the Seahawks were the better team. The quarterback is great again, Russell Wilson. Yep. He goes 24 of 34 for 360 yards. He had at least two drops. At least two. Real early drops, one by Lockett, one by Metcalf. So he's 24 of 34. He's easily 26 or 27 of 34. He goes for 360. He did have the one bad decision, probably the worst decision he's made all year, trying to fit that ball into Metcalf, and it was intercepted by Howard in the end zone. That was just a great play, wasn't it? Just a great defense. No, it wasn't a good – it was a bad decision. I mean, it was good – it was was both. I mean, it was a good – it was a good play by yeah. the defender. The fact that he got but under that, it. And- but that ball should have never been through. There was no chance. I, I don't think there was any hmm. chance. That ball was laid, and it was – no, that, that, was not, that was not a good decision by Russell Wilson. He'd like to have that back. But at the end of the day, through four games, he's thrown for 1,285 yards through four games. Jeez. Do the math. He's thrown for 16 touchdowns. Should have been 17 if it weren't for DK Metcalf. Are we going to do this every week? <laughs> 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. So – even you oh, and your Eastgate State, your University of Southern Crossroads yeah. education—we just call it USC. But go could, on. Could do could do the pace for Russell Wilson, the season pace, what he's on pace for through four games. How would you do that? Yeah. How what kind of math would you use to do that? Well, you probably would do what? I'd probably multiply it by four. Right. Yeah. So if you multiply everything by four, and he does exactly this as he goes forward, Russell Wilson. After 16 games, we'll have thrown for 5,140 yards, 64 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. And ladies and gentlemen, he would be the unanimous. You know how he's never gotten an MVP vote? <laughs> right. He would not only get an MVP vote, get he would get every MVP vote. <laughs> 5,100 yards? He would be the unanimous, yeah. most valuable player. That's the kind of year he's off to. That's the kind of start he's off to. What's the record for most passing yards? I know Warren Moon had 5,000 maybe one time. Well, or? it used to be that I don't even know who has it anymore. Drew Brees or Matt Stafford or some, somebody. Okay. Somebody's coming along. In the old days, you never threw for 5,000. When Marino threw for, I think Marino was the first guy to break 5,000. Was that in 84? 5,084 yards or something like that in 84. No one had ever done it. Now, now because the game has changed the way it is, there's been, I think, probably five or six or seven Ah. seasons of 5,000 more or more. But but still, 5,000 is just hurling it. Yeah. And he's just off to an unbelievable start. He just can't. He's so hot right now. Now, remember, he was off to a great start last year. That's true. And we were saying the same things through eight games, which is interesting because I went back and I looked at last year with the great start that he was off to last year. At this stage of the game, he had thrown for 1,100 yards versus now 1,285. He had thrown for eight touchdowns as opposed to 16 touchdowns now. Wow. He had thrown for no interceptions at this stage last year, two interceptions now. So as great as he had the start last year, it's better, it's better this year. By far, it's better than 16 year. touchdowns. Six, and it should be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Every week. That's so you had, you had Russell Wilson. You had Chris Carson playing. 
Now, when he went out after the alligator roll or whatever, the dirty hit the yeah, other day, dirty. What, do you, what, what chances did you give him of playing the very next week? Well, they're going to go, well, Miami's not great. We can survive with Carlos Hyde. You know, Carlos Hyde had 1,000 yards last year. For he the sure did. He's Thanks a pre- for reminding me. He's a decent little running back. Yes, he did. He could take he can carry the mail for and one D game Dallas is supposed to be pretty good and you don't like Travis Homer and you know the yeah, whole thing. that's right so <laughs> I'm not gonna play I thought Chris Carson for sure was out was out there's just no way I mean even he's if he not does gonna play he's gonna be 80 percent or he's gonna look do you know how much I love Chris Carson <laughs> I know you. Do I love, love everything about that man yep and he got you a free taco well he got me too Oh, right. That's right. We'll yeah. get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. He had two touchdowns. So you get two You get two for the price of two. So you get you get four for two. Love it. On Tuesday at, at all Taco Time Northwest locations. We'll get that okay. in a minute. But do you know how much I they, – they call it a man crush? Is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I love Chris Carson. Yeah. I love what he stands for. I know he fumbles a little bit, but I, there's just something about him. The fact that he was in the game the next week and Carlos Hyde is the one who's on the inactive list. He barely played. How do you get hurt? What happened? Was he playing touch football during the week? These, th- these little things that creep up on you. But Carson goes, you know, six. They're not using him all that much this year. They're using him a little bit, but not like they used to. Yeah, they're throwing to him a little more, but, too. But when they use him, 16 carries, 80 yards, yep. five yards a carry. He's reliable for three catches, goes for two touchdowns. Touchdowns gets me two free <laughs> tacos at Taco Time Northwest, and I'll tell you how that works. But I mean, how do you not love Chris? Car- you you used to fight with me a little bit on this. No, I don't. You think had so. to, yes, you used to push back on this. I said that his style of running is not going to bode well for him for a long career. That he runs be true. He runs recklessly still. Don't you want? I mean, but how do you not they, love that? They went from Marshawn Lynch to Chris Car. Chris Carson is great as Mar. I mean, Marshawn Lynch was. Maybe a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Chris Carson has that same ferocity, has that same looking. He's just punishing. I know. He's not looking to go out of bounds. He, he's, I just, I love the fact that Chris Carson's on my team. The fact that he love played, him. the fact that he played this week after that injury, that's all I need to see from the rest of his career. I'll love him forever. For and I don't know that he's going to be around for the long haul, by what? the way. Well, yeah, that's what I just said. I mean, this is not. No, both. no, no. I mean, oh, money wise. Seahawks mm. wise. He's a free agent at the end of the year. That's right. No wonder he played. <laughs> He's trying to make that money. <laughs> I, look, you got to resign that guy. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works because nobody wants to pay running backs anymore, and he's going to want a lot of money. Yeah. And all the guys from his class have made some money and gotten their new con- all the big names from his draft class. But uh, if they can swing, I, I would hate to see Chris Carson go play like this for somebody else. Right. I, to to me, and maybe you'd say hogwash because the defense sucks. There's something about his mentality that speaks to me about the Seattle Seahawks. There's something about him. Sure. Something just about his style, about his want to, about his being out there on Sunday a week later. I mean, just there's something about how he runs through contact. I just love Chris Carson. How do you think his teammates feel about it? Gotta love him. I mean, when you see that, you're so inspired. Right. This guy's busting his ass. Now I'm going to. So here's the story on Taco Time. This is the first time in a few weeks I've got a chance to talk (laughs) talk a lot about it. So they're doing it differently this week. I hope you're going to take advantage. we got two rushing touchdowns from Chris Carson, which means now it's – Buy one, get one free for each touchdown. Okay. So you buy two, you get two free. Now, they've asked me, Taco Time Northwest has, and you got to use the app. You've got to use the Taco Time okay. Northwest app. They've asked me to make sure I remind people. It's not like you go, if Scott Soden goes and says, I'll have two tacos, and is expecting four to come out, it's not, that's not the way it works. Okay. Scott Soden's got to say, I want four tacos on the Taco Time app, 
and then the Seahawks promotion kicks in and they reimburse you on your they don't end up charging you for two of the tacos. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, totally. So just don't don't expect that, hey, I'm gonna go to two tacos, not say anything. Yeah. Not say anything to the taco time person that's behind the and then four are gonna come out. It doesn't work that way. You gotta order four. You got to pay on the Taco Time app, and they credit you back for two of them. That's the way it works. Makes sense to me. Buy two, get two free. So now I got some really big decisions to make on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Four tacos might be just an – I mean, I don't know that I need anything more than four tacos. That's a lot of food. It's a lot of tacos. food. Yeah. Normally I get the taco or a taco or two, and then I get like a something else, like a little burrito or something. Yeah, yeah. To kind of – Maybe some tacos. Compliment it. So, you know, something. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what the four tacos. Yeah, bring him home to Brett. He'll eat them. <laughs> no, I'm going to eat them. He's not going to eat them. Let him go get his own damn four tacos. Okay, fine. <laughs> so that's the story with taco time. How about DK Metcalf's day? Interesting note on DK Metcalf. Here's a, here's a thing. He's played in four games this year. He has had virtually the same statistical game in every single one of the four games. Really? About that? That's interesting. He's caught exactly four balls. <laughs> In game one, he caught exactly four balls in game two. He caught exactly four balls in game three. He caught exactly four balls in game four. And the yardage is somewhere between like 95 and 110. It's all right in the same. I like the play on the sideline that set up the second rushing touchdown where they threw it out to him. He broke a tackle and he went down. Like, that was like a runaway freight train going down that side. He's stiff-arming NFL players (laughs) like they're little kids. Yes. It's, it's like his uncle. He's like the uncle and his nephews are running after him, trying to tackle him, uh, just shooing them away. He had that, that drop earlier. Yes, he did. And people wanted to credit the defensive player for the dog. Just a good defensive play. Yeah. I think it can be both. Okay, people I have a thought took, on that. P- people took exception with my tweet. I was like, come on, DK. And like, come on, Mitch. That's not a drop. That's just a good defensive play. I say... When you're his size and that ball is in your hands before contact is made and then they pop you, yeah. Was it a good defensive play? Yeah. But should he catch that ball? Does it go down in the stats as a drop? Yes. If you asked him after the game, should he have caught that ball? Yes. If you asked Russell Wilson, should he have held on to that ball, DK? Yes. If you would have asked Pete Carroll, no response. Um, but you <laughs> D- get DK had a, he had a heck of a game. He's it doing all that drop. cool stuff. No matter, I don't yeah. care how hard he got hit, it was a drop. Here's my suggestion to DK, and Doug Baldwin was so good at this. Sometimes you know, especially when you're coming across the middle, if you're going to get hit, or at least there's a chance of it, that's when you need to catch the ball with your body. Watch Doug Baldwin. He was great at it. DK put his hands up like you're supposed to. They ball was in his hands, and then it kind of went and touched his face mask. And then you cannot hold anything when you're getting hit that hard, much less a football. But if you would have caught it with your body, then you could absorb the hit and the ball doesn't come out. So he's got to learn to do that. Baldwin was so good at that. I need to hire you as a wide receiver's coach. Well, you? Yeah, occasionally you, 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 I watch football. And, you're, yeah. and look, you're available. <laughs> I am available. <laughs> and I'm really available. Who was the wide receiver coach? Is it Pete Carroll's kid, maybe? Oh, I don't know who the wide yeah, receiver I don't know coach either. is. But I'm, I'm open and I'm ready for it. But, no, <laughs> but I, I think there's something to You'll that. You'll get more than 50% off in the Seattle <laughs> right. shirt company. So he'll, he'll learn. When he's going to take contact, catch it with your body, you can absorb that hit. Okay. Don't use you your You want me hands. to get him? Do you, you want to talk sure, to him? Sure, bring him, him in. The week? Yeah, bring him right. in. So that's a, uh, that's, a, that's a look at the offense anyway. So Carson had a good day. Clearly he could run the ball. How would you feel about them going for it? Ah. It was fourth and three, I want to say, up 10-6. Yes. They're at the 18, maybe? That's 20? correct. It was fourth and three. You have a running back who's averaging quarter. four yards a carry. You you're up three. You're up four. Yeah. You're up four. That's right. It's a chip six. shot. It's a chip shot field goal. You can go up seven. Yep. 
and they go for it. They get caught up. That's getting they got caught up in the how great the offense has been in letting Russ. Oh geez, whatever Stop. that word yep. is. They 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 got caught up and they went for it. And at the time that they went for it, I didn't hate it. Let me put it that way. Okay. At first glance, now we're talking at first glance before you peel the onion back a little bit. I didn't hate the call to go for it. I would not have gone for it myself. I can honestly say that. Now let, let me just let me let me also say this: that you know how this works. After they don't get it. Yeah. Everybody comes out of the woodworks that they hate it. Oh, of course. I contend that if you take everybody who hated after they didn't get it, I would contend that 75% of the haters would have not objected to it had they gotten it. 85 to 90%, 80, okay. yes. 90% yes. of the haters would have not objected to the play. They only object to it because they didn't get it. Of course. And I'd say 10 or 15% would say, no, 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 get it or not get it, I didn't like it. And so those are the tr- those are the true haters. Right. Those are the genuine haters. <laughs> right. Okay, so I want to go back. On first glance, I see the offense come out. They're going to go for it. I didn't love it. I would not have done it. I would have kicked a field goal to get up seven. I think I'm on the road. I'm playing against an offense in Miami that's not very dynamic. Yeah. I'm thinking the more points I can get, the better chance we have. Let me just get points here. Quiet the crowd it's, down. And- it's it's fourth and three. It's fourth and three. It's yep. not fourth and a, and a yard. Yeah. I know Russell's hot. I would not have gone. I can say to you I would not have gone for it. Having said that, I didn't sit there and go, oh, my God, don't do this. Don't do this. I did not hate it. Yeah. But then you peel back the onion and you got to look at the play one more time. And what you'll notice, okay, so that was the same drive. Do you remember when Chris Carson got hurt on that drive? Oh, he got stood up and somebody popped him. A helmet. And he went out and you thought he might have had a concussion. Well, he was like, yeah, yeah. I was, thought he got knocked oh, out. I didn't, I didn't see helmet to helmet. Was it helmet to helmet? Oh, my gosh. Okay. The reason, no flag on The that. reason I bring that up. I don't think, okay, he wasn't back on the field. So Chris Carson's not available, all right? Yep. And then when, if you go back to the cutaway of him coming off the field, they had a cutaway on the sidelines of him coming off the field after the fact. You see Brandon Shell. Do you know Brandon Shell is the right tackle, the new right tackle? You see him tapping him on the helmet. I'm like, wait a second, why is Brandon Shell not in the game? Well, as it turns out, what I think, I'm going to, I'm going to take some guesses, some educated guesses. Because of where they were playing in Miami in the heat and humidity, he was cycling in. He was rotating in backup mm-hmm. linemen a lot. Okay. They, they were rotating the defensive line a lot more than they normally do. And typically, you don't see a lot of rotation in the offensive line unless somebody's not healthy. They were rotating a lot of offensive linemen in and out. So at the time that they went for it, my first reaction is, I don't hate it. I wouldn't do it. But then when I saw that the starting right tackle wasn't in, yeah. the starting left tackle wasn't in, they were j- and they were not hurt. They were just out on the sidelines just getting a breather. The starting running back wasn't in. I forgot Carson was out. And then do you remember the play? Uh, no. The play was a pass that he got sacked. It was the oh, one of the right. two he sacks. Sacked, and yeah. you know who he got sacked by? The guy that was going up against the right tackle. Oh, interesting. The right tackle. They had a they had a young right tackle right. or, or yeah. a free agent right tackle with a long name. I don't number seventy four. He was in there for Shell. And by the way, Shell's a stud. Shell, yeah, I, I love the signing of. I I think he is a major upgrade from Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. And I think the offensive line as a whole is playing 
great. I well, agree. very, very good football. Yeah, we can't complain about the pass protection. No. It's, yeah. Right now, everything's going really well on the offensive line. But on that play, they had a backup right tackle in, I think a backup left guard in, and they had a backup running back in. And at that point, yeah. now I don't li- now I like it even less. Gotcha. Because of who they have. Now, I don't know why they can't bring Shell and Ayapati, whoever it was that was out. I know Shell was out. I know the guy that show was that was in for show was the guy who got beaten for the sack. I know that know that for sure. Okay, I don't know why you can't. Okay, we're gonna go for it on fourth and three. All right, first teamers get back in there for this play. Yeah, maybe it's just because this was a long drive and this the offensive line was already in there and you don't want to now change the dynamic. I don't know exactly how the rotational works and the substitution works. Whether you can put an offensive line, whether you I know you can, but whether you should. Go back to your first team offensive line because it's such a big play, fourth and three, but they didn't do it and they got burned by it. Anyway. Yeah, I I liked it, but I I didn't know all the things that you that you right. saw. But I I didn't mind it at all. Fourth and three, they they, they go. In it, my friend from Atlanta said he, he remembers them going for it on fourth down in Atlanta. It in was the first Im- game of the season. Oh yeah, well, he threw a touchdown right. pass. Right, it was almost he, DK Metcalf. Right, he said it was it was yeah. embarrassing that a team feels like they could go for it on fourth down yeah. on some <laughs> yeah. on the road. Yeah, he didn't forget. So yeah. yeah, they they do that from time to time. I didn't hate the call. I didn't. I don't know. That seems like Pete. I didn't mind. Mm. Oh well. Yeah. Defense. Yeah, we haven't talked about the defense no. much. We, we've been How pretty... do you think the defense played? Well, they gave up 15 points for a while, but three quarters or so, yeah. over three quarters. So yeah. I was I was happy with that. I mean, if you'd have told me 15 points through three quarters, the way this offense was It was a was very scoring, bendy, w- don't-break defense. Very. Five field goals to come out. I mean, And one thing I've hated over the years <laughs> yeah. are bendy, don't-break defenses. Yeah. I've never liked them. You want a no-bend defense. I want the Bears of 85. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> Okay, I How want the, the Ravens? Baltimore Ravens, yeah, that's, that's right, right. 2000 or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't want my favorite team to give up yards, 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 and then force them to feel, even though, even though when you look at Ben Don't Break defenses, this might be the year that a Ben Don't Break defense is exactly what the Seahawks need, and it's good enough for the Seahawks to go deep into the postseason. What do you mean that's what they need? Well, Ben don't break defenses clearly are defenses that give up the intermediate yards and then they, they force field goals. Yeah, yeah. With the Seahawks offense playing the way it is, oh, scoring I see. 30 in their sleep, I mean, literally scoring 30 in their sleep. Yeah. You would think that a Ben don't break defense to go along with that offense this year may be good enough to win 12, 13 games. That may be all you need. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I was yelling. Just give me an okay defense. Maybe a bend, Maybe I just got to settle on a bend-don't-break defense. That's what it was. Here, here's how the defense did statistically. The Dolphins had nine possessions okay. in the game. I'm not counting the kneel down at the end of the half, so that's not a possession to me. Right. They had nine true possessions, and here's what they did on those nine possessions. In order. Interception. Fitzpatrick threw an interception. Punt. Field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. They had five straight possessions, if you don't include the kneel down, five straight possessions ranging from the second quarter to the third quarter where they got field goals on all five possessions. Good kicker. Think about it. They scored a touchdown in a couple of those possessions. Yeah, right. Different game. Yeah. And then interception, Shaq, interception, and then they had the touchdown late in the two-point conversion for the So Nine possessions, they forced one punt. They turned them over twice, so that's good. That's good, yeah. And they gave up five field goals and a touchdown. That might just be who they are. Maybe that should be our expectation. Well, because the first three weeks, it felt like it was bend and break. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yes, that's I'll true. take bend, don't break. 
Well, I think you got to look at I think you got to look at a lot of different factors in the game. I can give you some good ones if you want them. I can give you some yeah. bad ones. If you look at the factors, number one, no Quinton Dunbar, no Jamal Adams. Yeah. Jamal Adams' replacement would be Lano Hill. No Lano Hill, so they're down to their third string safety. No Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin's replacement was Jordan Brooks. No Jordan Brooks. Right. Okay, and Marquise Blair's out. Yeah. So you got to consider that. They're playing with a, with really a... It's a makeshift. A makeshift yeah. defensive backs and a couple of linebackers out. Then you throw in the heat and humidity, right? Yep. You're in your blue and the heat and humidity. So you're trying to rotate a lot of people in, which means depth becomes even a bigger issue yeah. in a game like that than normal. Guys like Anthony Rush and Brian Moan guys are combining for a sack. Yeah, I, I don't... <laughs> I haven't had to look I, him up. I don't know. I, a lot of guys I don't even know. Yeah, right. I had and to look so, so, you've got, so you've got that going on. So I think that that has to be... Take it into consideration okay. when you're evaluating the defense. But on the flip side, they're playing, I hate to say it, they're playing a very limited dynamic team, very limited. I mean, Fitzpatrick is okay. He's all right. And Parker is really good. He had 10 or 11 yeah, catches. Good. But they're, they're not dynamic. And Miles Gaskin we love. But really and truly, that offense is – that's not the Falcons' offense. That's not the Cowboys' offense. Yeah. Right. But Fitzpatrick, that, I mean, that's he, not he even can make Cam plays. Newton. He can make some plays, but they're playing a. They're playing a. Okay. Fire. Fire enough. They, yeah. They're playing one of the probably ten least dynamic offenses in the NFL. They just, they just are. Okay. They just are. So, Fitzpatrick. Let's put it this way. Fitzpatrick had three hundred and fourteen yards. Okay. But it took him 45 throws to get 314 yards. And he had no touchdowns, two interceptions. So do you look at the 314 yards and say, that's too many against the Seahawks? Seahawks keep giving up 300, 400 yards. Yeah. Or do you say, all right, 314 and 45 throws, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and you got a, you got a sack on him. And then you look at the running back yards. If you take Fitzpatrick's scrambles out of it, Gaskin essentially – 16 carries, 56 yards, so three and a half yards a carry. That's good. Yeah. You'll take three and a half yards sure. a carry for your defense any week. So, I don't know. How do you like, put it all together? I guess it's okay. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, considering the injuries, I mean, this could have been – I honestly thought it would be a bit of a shootout. <laughs> I thought both teams were just going to score at will. And so, I was pretty impressed with the – I like that. Uh, uh, Amadi, I thought, played well. Very good. I think he's very good. I do, too. I'm happy I with th that I, guy. I, th I think he's very good. And, by the way, Fitzpatrick picked up a couple first downs with his feet. So, he, you know, he's a little tougher than – he's not Matt Ryan back there. He can run a little bit. I'm not – trying to poo-poo my quarterback okay well, all okay? right he's fine he's ryan fitzpatrick he's tough he's gutsy he's ballsy yeah. his teammates like not him. afraid of like sling not, it no nope. not afraid of anything not and he's a harvard guy that's right he's yeah. a harvard guy but come on yeah all right i mean you went from dak prescott uh cam newton well, I was going to say all of the receivers oh, that the gotcha, Cowboys yeah. had, Cam Newton, Julian Edelman, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, some weapons. Now, I mean, this this was this <laughs> was right. not a dynamic offense they were playing. Trey Flowers looked okay to me. Yeah. Seven tackles. Okay, in the stat page, you had seven tackles. Well, nope. It's easy no to pile TVs up tackles when you let your receiver catch the ball <laughs> and then tackle them. That's true. When you play eight yards off, I guess it's easy. But, all right, he didn't. Miss an interception and throw it to the other team. KJ so missed I'll a few it. interceptions. 
Yeah. By Why the way, can't defensive players catch the God. ball? Go ahead. Go ahead. I already tweeted it out. Like I, <laughs> every week. Why can't defensive NFL players catch a football? KJ had at least two and maybe three in his hands. But he had a great game. I thought really good. Did you think he looked inspired? Really out there? good. Yeah. Really good. He looked. He knocked a couple guys down, like the old KJ. Yeah. He had eight tackles, three. Yeah. Three pass defenses. Yeah. Should have caught at least one or two. We ought to do something that uh, pays tribute to to KJ somehow, some way. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> First win in Miami since 1996. I didn't know that. that. True? I didn't know that. 19- Did they lose the last time? When the sprinklers went off, they lost? The Dolphins beat them? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I, well, I guess the answer is they did. By the way, that stat of being up by four points at half continues. Yeah. I, didn't want, <laughs> I don't even want to say it anymore when it's at half. Oh, really? I don't want to tweet it out. I'm afraid I'm, they'll blame me when it gets broken. So uh, I, I just kind of ignore that stat. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I, didn't, I didn't worry about it. I, I tweeted it out. I also like Ryan Neal. Remember he got the pick to end the game? I don't know why you're laughing. There must be something going on there. No, I'm not laughing. I'm just, I got a text from my son, Max, UW, wanting to know, is he the real deal? Is Ryan Neal the real deal? Because he made a play early. Then he got the first interception. Yeah. That play was set up by Benson Mayoa. Go back and look at the, the penetration around the side. Yeah, he got, he, 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 he kind of almost tips the ball out of, out of, um, out of Fitzpatrick's hand as he's about to throw. Not not the tip. Somebody else tipped it. Oh, okay. I'm talking about he got pressure. He got pressure that kind of disrupted the play. All right. He made that play. But, yeah, okay. But Ryan, for a fourth string guy, I mean. Is he a fourth string? I don't or know what third he is. String? Look, how, look how many. He could yeah. be third. Yeah. I'll, for a third string guy, Make pretty impressive, plays. right? Yep. When there was 24 seconds left in the half. Yes. Would you I did have not, taken a knee? Uh, uh, no. On the 25? No. Okay. No, not with Russell Wilson at quarterback. With, 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 with Fitzpatrick? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, but my, my issue there was, and I guess I have egg on my face, my issue there was they didn't use their timeouts. There was a second down play. There was a second down play right. on, the, on the Dolphins' possession where it was either a running play or a, a catch inbounds, and the clock was ticking. Oh. And I wanted, I wanted Pete Carroll. It was going to be third and long. I wanted Pete Carroll to call a timeout to save some time, and he let the Dolphins essentially let the clock go. He he lost 20, 25 seconds there, and I was mad about that because then after the third down play missed, now you could have one less timeout but like 45 seconds instead of 25 seconds. I was mad about that until they went down and scored a (laughs) touchdown in 24 seconds. Unbelievable. It felt a little bit like the Super Bowl. Remember the Super Bowl? Chris Matthews? Oh, right. Remember the play at the end of the half? Chris Matthews? Yeah, they went right down. I don't know how David Moore gets so open. What about David Moore? He's I, he's all or nothing. I, isn't I don't he? I don't know how he gets so open. Where yeah. is there supposed to be a Dolphin defender somewhere in the picture? There, you tell me. That's your team with like 15 seconds to <laughs> right. go in the half. If you, anything, you have guy, somebody on the goal just, line. Let him go. <laughs> right, let him go. It's a crap. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but David, I don't know. <laughs> excuse me, David Moore yeah, might be sort coming. of like that Jermaine sure. Curse. Big, just all somebody big plays. Somebody said that on TV. I saw somebody oh, say really? that on TV. Yeah. Like Jermaine Curse? Yeah. Because you don't see him with the, with the tough seven-yarder or I'll you tell know, you, four-yard out. When you start talking about David Moore, I, the second tu- the touchdown, I guess it would be the only touchdown. Remember the only touchdown to him? The throw to him in the corner? Oh, yeah, great. God, that throw. I know. That throw is so – I think it's under I, – I don't, I don't think you get – I don't think we get how good that throw was just by watching the game. I think we just go, oh, that was just Russell Wilson being yeah. Russell Wilson. That was a – that was an unbelievable throw. I feel like it I'm, had to be. It had to be just in a perfect spot for him to catch that ball and be able to get his two feet down. Right. It was such a beautiful throw. I told a you, laser. I'm, I'm turning into the way I turned into with King Griffey Jr. I just, I'm like, I'm, nothing can impress me with Russell Wilson anymore. 
he does that stuff all the time. And yeah. like Griffey would just climb the wall and yeah. constantly rob people from home runs. Yeah. And then when he leaves town, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought everyone did, you know? Let's get, I'm that way with Russell. Let's get three interviews in here. We'll do some other stuff. I know you have some things that you want to talk about. I do. Yes, sir. Uh, three interviews. Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, and uh, one of the to- top economists in the country to talk a little bit about the uh, the business of college football. Okay? okay? Episode 111. It's great to be joined again by the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage, and in particular, Jordan Flowers. Jordan, welcome. What's going on over there? At the Kirkland office. Hey, Mitch. Great to be back on. It is incredibly busy times right now, but we are talking and serving lots of clients. It's amazing. Um, everybody that's reached out from the podcast, uh, you've got the best fan base, I think, probably alive. Ah, Nicest okay. people you've ever met. Nice. Nice of you to say that. The The mortgage business, not just Guild, but the mortgage business in general is very hot. What kind of numbers are we talking about in uh, in 30-year fix these days? Yeah, you're still seeing 30-year fixed rates in the upper twos on rate term refinances, uh, depending on cash out, whatever, you're still getting into the high twos, low threes in a lot of scenarios. So amazing time. So if I'm if I'm looking at my 30-year fix, my current 30-year fixed, and I see what number it pays to at least make a phone call to you guys for five or 10 minutes to see how much money I can save, what's the number I'm looking for? If you've got a 30-year fixed rate over three and a quarter to three and a half it's worth a call to see what we could get you down to or even shortening your your term on a new refinance and the best way to reach jordan flowers and guild mortgage direct office line is 425-250-3145 and cell phone 425-890-2957 you owe it to yourself to take a look take a look at your numbers see if you could be saving your family money each and every month where would i be where would mitch unfiltered be without the great sponsors and support like the kirkland office of guild mortgage unfiltered and going downfield and the pass is going to be intercepted picked off Defensive changes quickly. And Russell Wilson going for the end zone. And the pass is caught for the touchdown. For, obviously for us to be 4-0, it's a huge thing. Just keep winning one game at a time. And that's what's really important to us is making sure that we're staying on schedule, making sure we keep, keep doing what we're doing. You know, it was a tough day just because it was so hot out there. You know, we've been up in the Pacific Northwest, but it was definitely guys just kept battling. We ran the ball really well. We threw the ball well. We had that one funky play, but other than that, we were pretty much lights out in all the things that we wanted to do. Episode 111 continues. We talked a lot about it in our last segment. We'll talk more about it with the ESPN, ESPN.com Seahawks insider Brady Henderson. It's brought to you by Taco Time Northwest. Don't forget, Tuesday we get two free tacos with the purchase of two others, thanks to the two Chris Carson touchdowns and order ahead on the taco time northwest app here's brady henderson the mitchy bowl is over i had half a seahawks shirt on and half a dolphin shirt on and i saw the seahawks win 30 did you pick 30 to 24 did you really pick 30 to 24 on the seahawks no table last week is that right we can check the tapes mitch i did pick 30 to 24 god did you stay with that prediction in on espn.com and everywhere else you had to make a prediction yes well as yeah because the alternative would be to just make like 10 predictions that way i could say that one of them was right yeah i stuck with the same one so the game went 
pretty much the way you thought the game would go, Brady, would you say? Yeah, I thought it could be another shootout just because you have two defenses that have their own issues and two offenses that you know can put up points, especially Seattle's during this historic start to the season. With the defensive issues that Seattle had, I thought it was a pretty impressive showing by them. It was not perfect, but as we've said before, this defense, with as well as their offense is playing, this defense does not have to be great. It just has to be good enough, and it was good enough Sunday. One of the big differences over the first three weeks was limiting the explosive plays. According to our great research department at ESPN, they had allowed a league-high 13 passing plays of over 25 yards over the first three weeks. They got that down to just one on Sunday. And Russell Wilson did what he did. And Chris Carson really, for the first time, did some heavy lifting with his legs in this game. And so, again, it wasn't perfect, but it it doesn't have to be. How much of the fact that they limited the big plays has to be attributed to the lack of, I don't know, I would say it's not a dynamic offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick is certainly efficient at times. Parker's pretty good on the outside, but certainly that's not a team in the Dolphins offense that had the weapons that some of the previous uh, opponents of the Seahawks had. How much of it is about that, and how much of it is about the Seahawks just doing better on Sunday? Yeah, that, that was part of it, the fact that the offense is not – I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a former MVP the way Cam Newton and Matt Ryan are. But at the same time, you saw Cam Newton tear that defense apart with a cast of weapons that you would not consider to be particularly explosive. And right. so, right. yeah, I think that was part of it. I think another part of it was the fact that they stayed aggressive in this game. And players and coaches have said over the first three weeks that they attributed part of the struggles on defense to the fact that they were playing conservatively on defense late in games while trying to protect big leads. Well, you saw them jump out to, I believe, a 15-point lead, 16-point lead in the fourth quarter on Sunday, and they stayed aggressive. And Shaquille Griffin told us afterwards that that was a message that Bobby Wagner was sending them in the huddle in between plays, telling them to stay aggressive and to not change anything. I think you saw that on the interception that Shaquille Griffin had when he jumped that route, also on that excellent pass breakup that he had. So I think that was a difference is in terms of the way they played. It wasn't only who they played, but the yeah, way that they yeah. stayed aggressive well, late in that game. Well, let's stay on Brady Shaquille Griffin because he's been an interesting storyline even going back to the offseason, he's going to be a free agent. Cornerbacks are making a lot of money. We can debate until we're blue in the face how good of a guy. I don't know that I look at him as a premier corner in the league. I look at him more as a good, solid corner. But what his resume lacked going into this year were the you know the takeaways, the interceptions, no interceptions. And yet, I think he's come up with, what, two in the early, the first four games so far? So that's good for him moving forward, especially contract-wise. Yeah, two in the last two weeks. And that was really the only hole in his resume. Sure, he's gotten beat deep a couple times, but that's going to happen to a cornerback. I think that we've kind of been spoiled in Seattle by watching Richard Sherman just be so sound on those deep plays. We've lost sight of the fact that cornerbacks on occasion will get beat deep, and he's gotten beat deep. He has not taken the ball away enough. In fact, before last week, that interception he had against Dallas, he had not picked off a pass since week two of the 2018 season. So remember that that season he had last year when he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate, as well as he played in a breakout season, he did not have a single interception. It's the only thing he really hasn't done. And so the fact that he's doing it now in a contract year, that really, I think, invites a closer look at at what the future holds for him. Because if that's all that was missing in his game and he starts to do that, then it it starts to become easier to see him get a contract that's I don't want. I doubt it's going to be at the top of that cornerback market, but I could see it being north of ten million dollars. And yeah. 
It's a question of who's going to pay it. The Seahawks have a lot of guys to pay. He's one of several guys, including Jamal Adams. And we all know they have a very top-heavy roster construction as it is. So that's going to be one of the more fascinating subplots for the rest of the season is whether or not he can continue to take the ball away and what that's going to mean for his future. The voice of Brady Henderson. you got to read him. ESPN, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider. You hear him all the time on Mitch Unfiltered. You hear him again on Friday when we release our next Seahawks note table. Brady, while we're on the topic of the secondary of the Seahawks, Let's talk about uh, obviously missing a lot of guys on Sunday against the Dolphins. No Quentin Dunbar for a second week. Uh, no Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams' replacement would have been Lano Hill. No Lano Hill. What what kind of sense? We've got the Vikings coming up and some other uh, some other teams, some other opponents that offer a diverse passing game. What is your suspicion on the Seahawks? How far away are we until we get the guys that are supposed to be back there back? Yeah, that's a fascinating question because the buy, I think, will factor into that. And Pete Carroll sort of said it without saying it, that they might consider resting those guys, those guys being Dunbar and Adams, another week, even if they're, you know, maybe just only close to coming back and just sort of on the, you know, the fringe of being ready to play. They might consider giving those guys another week, knowing that they have the buy after that game against Minnesota. Uh, that's a one in three team. I doubt that part of it is going to factor in to Pete Carroll's thinking. The fact that Minnesota is only one in three. He's a always compete guy, not somebody who, uh, you know, he actively coaches against the whole idea of a letdown and everything. So I don't think that part of it would factor into it. But the fact that they have a bye, yeah. uh, that's got to be enticing because then you're talking about giving guys three weeks to fully get back. And that's something that is always got to be in consideration is not only wanting to have that guy back, but wanting to have him back for good. Before we finish with the defense and flip over to an offense that at times, again, was super spectacular, the old man, K.J. Wright, he had a few interceptions in his hands, and he dropped them all, and he was laughing about it after the game. But, boy, K.J. Wright, anybody who thinks that K.J. Wright doesn't have any football left in him ought to watch the game film against the Dolphins. He seemed to be all over the place. He played a, a really good football game on Sunday. He did, and I believe he was their the defensive player of the game last week, the award that this, they give out with the inside the team. And he had another strong game in this one. I think eight tackles, three passes defense, and yes, those were three passes uh, that he could have intercepted, but he did not. I think the bigger picture takeaway of that game, it's not the interceptions that he dropped. It's the fact that he's still playing at a pretty high level at 31 years old and a decade into the NFL. And I was not totally convinced that he was going to be back for this second and final season of his contract just because he's an older player. He has the had the high cap number, I believe $10 million or something like that. They also drafted his eventual replacement in the first round in Jordan Brooks, and he is really validating that decision uh, to hang on to him for this season, especially in light of the fact that Brooks has had to miss this game with a knee injury, and you don't know when exactly he's going to be back, and also the fact that they lost Bruce Irvin for the season. So linebacker looked like heading into the season that it was uh -huh. maybe the deepest position group on that roster. Uh, and that depth is being tested, you know, and it's past that test, I think, Sunday with Cody Barton having a good game. But also, you know, they've also shown that they've still got a pretty good player in K.J. Wright, even if the hands maybe aren't what you want them to be. All in all, the defense on Sunday was a bend, don't break. I've been yelling and screaming all they need to be is okay defensively if the offense is going to play like that to be a Super Bowl contending team. I think when you go back and look at the Dolphins' possessions, if you take out that, that kneel down at the end of the first half after the Seahawks scored with 24 seconds on the clock, 
I think the Dolphins went down on five consecutive possessions from the second to the third quarter and kicked field goals on all five of them. So the, the Seahawks gave up yards but kept them out of the end zone. And maybe even those of us like me who hate Ben don't break defenses, I want the 85 Bears defense. I guess I'm not going to get it. Uh, I guess a Ben don't break defense for the Seahawks this year to go along with the way number three is playing and the receivers are playing and the offensive line is playing might just be good enough to go way, way deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. And it was, I'm looking at the the stat sheet right now. It was five possessions in a row, not counting that kneel down at the end of the first half. And you couldn't have said it. I mean, I couldn't have said it better than what you just said. That's exactly what they need to do this year. They kept Miami out of the end zone until I believe there was just under two minutes left. And Ryan Fitzpatrick ran, ran it in for their first touchdown of the game. And, um, I agree with you. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be the 2013 Seahawks defense that is holding opponents to 17 points and taking it away more than any other defense in the NFL. You just need to not give up 30 points a game, and you need to come away with timely turnovers, timely takeaways like they did in that game Sunday. Ryan Neal replacing Jamal Adams had his second interception in as many weeks. We talked about the Shaquille Griffin interception. You know, the, the pressure, the pass rush is still going to be something that I'm sure we're going to be talking about all season, yep. especially with no more Bruce Irvin there. But it's hard to it's hard to complain about what they did Sunday, with missing so many guys and holding Miami to, you know, no touchdowns until the final two minutes of the game. That's a pretty strong effort. Did you like the fourth and three gamble that resulted in the sack in the second quarter? They're up 10-6. They're at the 18-yard line. Chip shot field goal makes it seven. Shoddy and Carroll do exactly what they've been doing all year. They put the, the ball in, in Russell Wilson's hands, and he's sacked. Did you like the call? To go for it, I was I was interested in the fact that they had backup offensive linemen in the game at the time. I guess it was because of the heat and humidity. Shell was out of the game. I think there was a guard. I think Ayapati might have been out of the game. We know Carson was out of the game for a few plays because of injury, and they went for it anyway. Yeah, I was I was on the fence about that one, and, and especially knowing that they didn't have their full complement of guys in there, the guys that you would want in there on that fourth and three play. I'll tell you this. I know who liked it, Russell Wilson. That was, you know, something that they have not done over the first eight seasons of his career. I believe the number was only 97 times over Wilson's first eight seasons that they went for it on fourth down. And that was, I believe, according to our research, uh, the third fewest amount in that span. And so you saw them do that in week one against Atlanta, and that resulted in the 38-yard touchdown pass to DK Metcalf. You know, the big difference in that one is that that was from the 38 yard line. So in that case, you're sort of in no man's land where it's a very deep field goal and you're kind of putting your punter in a tough situation. If you decide to punt it, cause he doesn't have a ton of room to operate. This was different. This was at the 18 yard line. So you are well within field goal range and you still go for it. So whether or not you like it, I think you got to like the fact that they showed faith in Wilson and the offense and, Given how well they've been going over the first three weeks, why wouldn't you? Before you run on me and we meet up again for the Seahawks no table this Friday for the patrons with Joe Fan, I'll ask you about David Moore. Uh, you know what? I'll make it a two-parter. David Moore and Freddie Swain. We, you, you and I haven't talked about Freddie. Every, every game, he seems to make a catch or two. And slowly but surely, he's becoming more and more involved in that Seahawks offense. Obviously, number three kind of has confidence in him. And, and, and David Moore catches the huge ball at the end of the first half to set him up for the touchdown and then what a strike 
What a rope that was to him in the corner of the end zone to put the game away. David Moore quietly has had a good start to the season. Why do you think? I think it's the fact that he's a really good player and also the fact that the guy he was competing with to be that number three receiver, Philip Dorsett, has been unavailable. So it's a matter of opportunities. And I think along similar lines, he's also gotten more opportunities just because defenses are kind of forced to in a, they're put in a tough spot when you're talking about trying to defend a receiver core with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's kind of like, you know, one of those guys said last week, I think they described it as a pick your poison situation. And that's very much it, what it is when you're talking about two guys who can easily go over a hundred yards in, in a given game. And so I think, I think David Moore is benefiting from all the attention that defenses have to pay to those guys. And he's showing that he can be pretty dangerous with the ball in his hands. Now that long touchdown or that long uh, reception he had on the, the touchdown drive at the end of the first half, you know, he was wide open on that. That was a 57 yard play that it was a coverage bust by Miami. I think, uh, you probably would have had about a, a 25% chance of catching that ball, Mitch. I, I probably would have been closer to 50. But um, but the fact is, he's still making very difficult catches, and you can see the trust that Russell has in him. And in terms of Freddie Swain, you know, th- that's a good story. Going into this season, I was not even totally convinced that he was going to make the team, or going into training camp, I should say, just because that's that was a very crowded wide receiver core. You still thought you were going to have – you know, Philip Dorsett in the mix as well. And, you know, this was going to be, I thought, a tough year for rookies to come in and make an impact right away, just given the fact that there was a very atypical offseason uh, and no preseason. And you're talking about a guy who was drafted with, I believe, the final pick of the sixth round. So he's been a surprise. And the fact that he is really their number four receiver and has made at least one impact play, I believe, in all four games, that's a pretty good sign. And it's going to be even more crowded whenever Philip Dorsett gets back and whenever Josh Gordon comes off his suspension. They're going to have all sorts of weapons at Russell's disposal. Final item, Brady, from what you can tell, and I know there's always surprises come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In fact, there's surprises come Sunday. How about injuries? Did they get out of that Dolphins game clean for the most part? No additional injuries to lop on top of what's already the damage that's already been done? That was the word from Pete Carroll afterwards, yeah, that they did not get any guys banged up. And so now the question is just when they can get those guys back, the guys that missed this game, uh, going into that game next week against Minnesota. All right, Vikings and Seahawks. It'll be the fifth game of the year. The Seahawks are off to a 4-0 and start. The quarterback is on fire. Did throw an interception, but here's the updated pace through four games. If he continues on this pace, Russell Wilson will throw for 5,140 yards, 64 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. And not only will he get an MVP vote, if he does that, what I just said, he'll be the unanim- he'll get every vote. He'll be a unanimous MVP in the NFL. Seahawks off to a great 4-0 start. Brady Henderson, follow him on Twitter. See him on ESPN.com. Does a terrific job. And hear him again here with us on Mitch Unfiltered on Friday, the Friday patron release of the Seahawks. No table when we will preview the Vikings game and get predictions from people like Brady, who nearly nailed almost a hole in one in closest to the pin. 30 to 24 instead of 31 to 23. Thank you, Brady. All right. Thanks, Mitch. I'll talk to you later. There he is, the familiar voice, ESPN Seahawks insider Brady Henderson, brought to you by the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead with the app. Man, Brady is on Mitch Unfiltered, I think more than I am these days, with his segments after Hawks games and then the new and popular Seahawks note table for patrons on Fridays. I started something called the Seahawks Roundtable 25 years ago on KJR, so I figured why not reinvent without the table 
and deliver a commercial-free weekly segment which explores the ins and outs on the Seahawks and their next opponent for patrons we posted on Fridays. Brady, Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest, me and guests, the Seahawks No Table. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, the CEO of the incredibly busy partner of ours, Evergreen Golf Call, Tyler Hay. Tyler, every time I turn around, I see an article in the Puget Sound Business Journal about exciting things happening at your place. What's going on over there? Yeah, Mitch, we just recently acquired a accounting firm, actually Mercer Island based. They've been in business for over 40 years. We just thought that adding an accounting piece to what we do on the wealth management side would make us kind of a one-stop shop for clients. And people like simplicity these days, so we thought it would help simplify people's lives. Did I also read, Tyler, about a fund that you guys raised to invest in local Puget Sound technology companies? Yeah, we also did that. There was uh, an article we invested in a um, in a local firm called Fuse. They're a venture capital uh, fund that invests in local tech startups, and so we created a partnership with them, and actually Bobby Widener, the Seahawks, is involved with that. And there's a pretty cool article on ESPN for your listeners who want to do some light reading. They can find it, and it's exciting. We're, we're excited to be a part of, of what they're doing. Every time I talk to Tyler Hay in person, I almost feel like I'm, I'm speaking with somebody who knows more about sports than I do. So let's get some picks from you. The NFL season is here. The NBA's postseason is revved up. I want an NBA champion and a, a Super Bowl champion. Stick your neck out for once in your life, Tyler Hay. All right. Uh, I'll go with uh, – I know I know he's not a loved guy by all, all your listeners, but I'll go with LeBron and the Lakers in the NBA. Sorry to disappoint those that are LeBron haters. And then I like the hometown. I like the Hawks. Oh, I think they're going to make on. a run. I know oh, it's a homer stop pick. It. No. Oh, my God. Hey, 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 Mitch, they're 18-1. to 1. Find me better Super Bowl odds than that. Okay. All right, 18-1 to 1 on the Seahawks. And as always, we like to say the first step to learning about all the great work that happens at Evergreen Golf Call is the website, evergreengk.com, and the free newsletter, correct? That's the way to do it. Yep, we appreciate all your support too, Mitch. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager here in the Northwest. Unfiltered. The throw is intercepted. Picked off. Down the sideline. Touchdown, Alabama. Daniel Wright. 36-yard run. Fourth play of 30-plus. He stays on his feet again and scores. Touchdown, Iowa State. The Cyclones go back on top with 4.06 to go. Rattlers thrown for 301. Motions out, third and nine. They look that direction. They throw the ball up in the air. Right on cue. Caught. Touchdown. George Pickens beat McCrary, and the dogs stretch the lead. The Taco Time Northwest app brings you our football-related interviews, including our next guest here on episode 111. You know, Rick Neuheisel has lived a full life, I've decided. Not that we're counting you out now, Rick. You still got some years. To- <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, is there news that I need uh, to be bracing myself for? <laughs> I've compiled a list. You tell me if I've got any of these wrong, okay? 
Former Pac-12, actually, what were you, Pac-10, Pac-8 quarterback? Was it Pac-8 or Pac-10 when you were quarterback? Pac-10, okay. Pac-10 quarterback. Former Pac-10 quarterback, right? Former yes. Former Rose Bowl hero. Yes. You were a gunslinger and a hotshot. Yes. Yes. You were a Pac-12 coach twice, three times if you include Colorado, who I guess wasn't in the, the Pac-12. That's correct. You're uh, CBS's lead college football analyst. You Yes. You hung, <laughs> you hung up once on Hall of Fame coach Chuck Knoll. That is accurate. You partnered up with Mitch Levy in the Snoqualmie Showdown. How'd that go? for you we got trounced but uh and i apologize i was not nearly as good as i had hoped oh, to be oh dear and most of all you make picks every once in a while and max levy's u-dub college fund thanks you for alabama minus the points this past weekend thank you so much for that every now and then i'll give you some <laughs> some wisdom there you go there you go that- and max yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's two in a row. Is that right on Mitch Unfiltered? Two in a that's row? That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Oh, dear. Uh, should we start there with the, the Alabama rolling of uh, Texas A&M, or should we go right to the Pac-12 who released a schedule? We've got to wait a month, but we're going to see Pac-12 football after all. What do you think of the schedule? Uh, you know, I, I think the schedule's fine. Uh, I think the coaches – are going to be sitting there scratching their heads going, holy smokes, we had to wait this long. Now we got a Friday night game almost every week, uh, which is going to be problematic in terms of travel because they're long flights and such. We've got a 9 a.m. game to start the, uh, the deal with uh, Arizona State, and I think they're at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have everybody there uh, for kickoff at 9 o'clock in the morning in the Coliseum. So you can imagine what pregame warm-up, I mean, literally, you're eating your pregame meal at 5 a.m. Oh, my God. That's a bizarre thing. I know people say, hey, we practice in the mornings, it's no big deal. But I'm telling you, that's a big deal. I can't wait to watch it and see how it actually comes off. Is the Pac-12 behind the eight ball with the national championship and the final four and the playoff? Or do you think they're going to have an even playing field like everybody else when this thing is all said and done? I think the Pac-12 is definitely behind the eight ball for a couple of reasons. One, because they're starting last. Although the college football playoff committee did move their first ranking a week back so as to provide at least an opportunity for the Pac-12 to play twice. But also because I think some of their best teams, actually their best team coming into the year, which would have been Oregon, has been hit hard with some opt-outs. And uh, Javon Holland and Panay Sewell, most notably, the top two guys, are both not going to play. So I think it waters down the product. Is Oregon still the best team in the Pac-12? Who are the best three in your estimation? It's interesting. I don't know in the North. I'm going to have to watch. But I think Arizona State and SC in the South are going to be in that company. And then we're going to have to wait and watch the North. Uh, I know Jimmy Lake's chomping at the bit to, to get the Huskies going. I can't wait to see if Coach Donovan can get an offense to be a, uh, you know, a real threat uh, for the dogs. I think Justin Wilcox has got a, you know, a good-looking team, and I know he's chomping at the bit. I wouldn't be surprised for either Washington or Cal to emerge from the North. Pac-12 football will wait until November 7th. The Pac-12 schedule is out. Washington has to start, by the way, on November the 7th at Berkeley. They lost to Cal a year ago, and Cal features a pretty good quarterback. I I would think that that's not an easy game for the 
for the dogs right out of the gate. It will not be an easy game. I agree with you. And and Marcus Tuiasasopo is also on that Cal staff. He also will have a special place in his heart uh, when he sees that uh, Husky uniform on the opposite sideline. This will uh, that'll be an interesting game. But I, I think they really think highly of Garbers. And uh, if he should stay healthy for this shortened season, I think they expect big things. Going back to the games that you had and the games that are being played, especially in the SEC, you had the Alabama game. You gave us Alabama minus the points against Texas A&M. You were right on the money, and everybody thanks you for that. I'm watching Alabama play. I'm watching you during the halftime show, and I'm just looking at those Alabama wide receivers and thinking that maybe you still could go back out at your advanced age, I'm, I'm guessing you're about 59 years old, 58, 59 years old. I would think that you should be able to go out and throw with those wide receivers at Alabama and still make some hay in the SEC, Rick Neuheisel. There's a few throws I could still make. Uh, maybe not those ones that are going 40 and 50 yards down the field anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's a bevy of riches they possess. And it starts with the offensive line. We all get enamored by looking at the big plays and such. But if you're going to run a double move on second and 22, uh, you've got to have time to do it. And, and that offensive line, Alex Leathergood, I mean, they are something. They are big, enormous human beings that are giving Max Jones all the time he needs. And it's a, it's, it's wonderful to watch. It really is. They, they've got uh, the offense and Steve Sarkeesian has got to be just tickled pinkies gets this opportunity to call plays there again. Is Alabama the best team in the SEC? I watched a little of Florida. I watched a little of Georgia. It seems that those are the three best teams in the SEC. How would you rank those three teams and where are they in relation to Clemson overall? I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think those three teams in Clemson are the best four teams in the country. Now, we haven't seen Ohio State. And, Mitch, you know who I would have at number five? BYU. BYU has been enormously impressive in their first three games. Enormously. And if you watch them, yes, you can say, hey, you know, Navy's not very good. Louisiana Tech this last week wasn't very good, nor was Troy. But in terms of just dominant and big-looking, good-looking offensive linemen and a quarterback that I promise you will be a star in the NFL and Zach Wilson, I think BYU is really good. So rank those three teams, Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, in your estimation. I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to have Georgia one right now just because that defense, to me, is the one that can stop everybody else. I think Georgia's defense would confound any other offense right now. Including the wide receivers at Alabama? I'm going to go out on a limb. Now, I'm, I get another week to change my mind. Okay. But two weeks from now, Georgia travels to Tuscaloosa. Right. I'm going to pick the dogs that week. Ooh. I think the Georgia Bulldogs will go into Tuscaloosa and win, especially if Stetson Bennett continues to grow as a quarterback and gains confidence. But I, I, that defense is a swarming fast, very physical defense and made Auburn look like they were pedestrian. So I'm going to lean Georgia one. I think Florida and Alabama are both built with great offense. We'll wait and see about their defense. I think Alabama is a nose better than Florida right now. Yeah. And Clemson, I haven't seen them in against enough competition yet. You know, it's kind of like it's uh, like preseason in the NFL where they roll their starters out for half the game, then roll everybody back out. But Virginia gave them a game last night and made them, made them, you know, frustrated. So I'm going to have Clemson right now as the fourth best team. Okay. 
And we would think that two of those three would still end up in the National Football Playoff. I guess Georgia, I was looking at the schedule the other night. Georgia plays both Florida and Alabama. Alabama and Florida, they don't have to play both. And then you've got Tennessee. Georgia's got the toughest schedule of those three teams, but you think they're the best team. So you'd be surprised if two of those three weren't in the final four of college football. Given what we're seeing in the Big 12, and given, I I still think Ohio State's going to be given a pathway. They're going to have to be really good, maybe perfect, Mm -hmm. but I think they're going to be given a pathway. But uh, it's hard to imagine a Big 12 team making it unless Oklahoma State, when Spencer Sanders comes back as their quarterback, puts on a real show. They're really good defensively, and if the offense can come along for the ride, they're the last team of, that gives the uh, Big 12 hope for a college football playoff yeah. berth. I was going to ask you that. If the Big 12 has already been voted off the playoff island, Oklahoma lost again, Texas shocked by TCU. What a disappointment after the Big 12 decided to play football this fall and full steam ahead. The first three or four weeks have to, have to be a colossal disappointment for that conference. I can't even uh, begin to tell you. I mean, three Sunbelt teams come on the road and beat three Big 12 teams, including Iowa State, who knocked off Oklahoma last night. For Lincoln Riley, the bloom is off the rose, right? For you know, three seasons in a row, he looked like a genius, but all three of those quarterbacks were transfers. Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts. And now that he's got a homegrown guy in Spencer Rattler two weeks in a, grow, in a row with a chance to go down the field and, and uh, save the day, he throws interceptions. So this is not at all what Oklahoma had pictured. It's going to be difficult to be excited about the Red River rivalry next week. It's going to be the Red River reclamation, right, <laughs> with Texas and Oklahoma yeah. uh, because they're both on hard times right now, which is uh, a shame for Bob Bowlesby because I think we all appreciate how hard he worked to get Big 12 football to play. Two last ones for Rick Neuheisel before we get with his pick uh, for the upcoming week here. It's Rick Neuheisel on Mitch Unfiltered. It's presented by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app, reminding you to order ahead and your meal will be waiting for you just inside of the location that you choose. Do you know anything about this quarterback at North Dakota State? I was watching the television the other night. I had no idea. Trey Lance is his name. Everybody's saying he's an NFL quarterback prospect, but his big problem is he doesn't have many games to play. They're playing one game in the fall, and they're coming back in the (laughs) spring. He may or may not play. And then the one game that he had, statistically anyway, he wasn't very good. What what about him? Are we going to see him high in the first round and on Sundays next year in the NFL? There's no question that he passes the uh, measurables test. I mean, he's a great-looking kid. He's going to run fast. He's going to jump high. His arm talent is there for uh, anybody to look at. You go back and look at his films. He went through an entire season last year, Mitch, without throwing a pick. Some just under 300 throws, no interceptions. I mean, he's a very, very talented young man. As Carson Wentz goes, so too will his star go because Carson Wentz was also an alum of North Dakota State. And people are looking at him in the NFL right now. You know, the Eagles don't fare well. It's going to say, well, did he play in enough good college competition to be able to merit where we took him? So a little of that will play into this kid's uh, uh, draft status. But but he's a, he's a very talented guy. And when you watch the ball come off his hands, you can't help but notice a lot of what you're watching right now in the NFL in terms of guys creating plays and making plays down the field. Trey Lance seems to figure into that. Mm. But the story really should start with Mitch. 
with Central Arkansas. You and I and every college football fan in the country should have a special place in their hearts for the Central Arkansas Bears because it was they who decided to actually play college football, got us a game against Austin P to begin the season. Mm -hmm. It was they who said, we'll go to Fargo and let those guys have one game because we have a hospital across the street. We get free testing. So we're (laughs) going to travel where anybody wants us. And Central Arkansas has given us entertainment that none of us could have expected long ago. And so for that reason, Uh I say, go Bears. Go Bears. Okay, so they give us entertainment. I'll give you another thing that gives us entertainment because I was trying to figure out if I've ever seen anything like this before. I've heard of fans being thrown out of games, being ejected from games (laughs) for bad behavior. But here's what I've never heard of. I've never heard of the entire student section being tossed out of a game as they were or as it was at SMU. SMU's entire student section was told to leave the football game in the middle of the game because of non-proper protocols of COVID-19. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? First of all, I want to tell before I tell you that I have not seen this before and hope never to see it again. Uh, my son is a proud alum of SMU. I know that. And they call it the Boulevard, which is just outside the stadium where all the kids go and tailgate. So the Boulevard was the happening place. And because they enjoyed the Boulevard such at SMU, they couldn't get kids to go into the stadium. The student (laughs) section would remain very empty during games. And it was such a uh, point of consternation. Now that they're focusing on trying to get them into the games. Well, they got that accomplished. But now because they didn't adhere to social distancing, they kicked them out right back to the Boulevard. So. Is irony involved here at all? I don't know. But SMU kids who finally listened to the call, heeded the call, and said, we'll come inside, wouldn't heed the call of masks, wouldn't heed the call of social distancing, so back to the boulevard they went. You know, I I joked with my my partner, Hotshot Scott, I know this is a serious conversation on some level, but I I joked with Scott that I'm sure, I'm certain, I'm 100% certain, Rick, that when the entire student section was tossed out of the football game, they immediately, once they left, adhered to all protocol <laughs> of COVID. I'm sure just as soon as they exited the stadium, they put their masks on, they didn't get close to one another, and they went their separate ways immediately upon departure of the stadium, right? We're sure of that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know how that 18 to 22 sector feels about guilt. They Uh, jump right into that deal. No problem. We'll go make sure that uh, we do our time for such a a terrible offense. Uh, Listen, we all understand the need for social distancing. We all understand the need for for uh, masks and such. And, And I hope those kids will remember that as they try to stay safe and their parents hope they'll stay safe. But this was such an interesting story because they'd been begging those kids to actually come inside, and now they kicked them out. Well, we can't end this episode and this chat with Rick Neuheisel until we get a pick because in Rick's world, Neuheisel's on what they call a heater. He had, uh, he had what, Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'll give you the bell. 
Uh, he had uh, <laughs> Alabama minus the points. No problem against Texas A&M. Max's UW college fund is is just growing, is is just bursting at the seams. We just need one more. We need a three-week winning streak. I see, I see Miami and Clemson, which is going to be a hell, should be a hell of a football game. You've raved about Miami here on this show. Uh, I see Texas, Oklahoma, which you called the whatever the reclamation project or the, Red we, River reclamation. Okay, yeah. we've got Tennessee and Georgia. Georgia's great uh, defense. Tennessee's a good football team this year. We've got Florida and A and M. A and M licking its wounds after being victimized by all those great receivers for Alabama. Is it one of those four games? A game on CBS, or does Rick Neuheisel go off of that mini board and pick a different game for next week? Well, we can stay into the uh, the, the center the, the the center portion of the table as we you know set it for the college football weekend, or we can try to make money. <laughs> if you're looking to try to make some money, yeah. I say you take the Temple Owls. Oh who are right now a minus two and a half, minus three point pick over Navy. Okay. It's Temple's first game of the year. Oh. On October 10th, they'll, they'll play their first game of the, uh, of the year, as will the Houston Cougars. But Temple plays Navy. Navy got walloped by Air Force, who played their first game of the year last week. Navy, despite a great coach, despite great scheme, Navy is devoid of speed this year. I like the Owls to fly high and and win that game convincingly. Do you want to tell us who's going to win them? You you think Clemson's going to beat Miami, but that could be a a fantastic football game. If you want one of the showcase games and a real strong opinion, I would go Florida over Texas A&M. Okay. But that's not your official pick. You're taking – My official pick is is the Owls. You're taking Paul Palmer, boo-boo, as they used to call him. I don't know that anybody in our audience, I'm wondering whether you even remember, I don't know how many people in our audience remember running back Paul Palmer of the Temple Owls from the 19, I guess that would have been the late 1980s, early 1990s. Do you recall Paul Palmer? I'm taking John Chaney with his unbuttoned <laughs> shirt and the tie just very, just barely oh, hanging on oh. into the end of the 40 minutes of uh, terror that oh. Temple used to put on teams. I'm taking John Chaney, yeah. the, 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 the hero of John Cheney to take down the Navy and and the midshipmen. Do you remember? That's what I'm taking. Do you remember John Cheney bursting into the Calipari press conference at the end of a Massachusetts yeah. Temple game and telling him he was going to yeah. kill him? <laughs> One of the great John Cheney, and that's when you really notice that the tide never changes. <laughs> All right, so we have you down for your official pick is Temple minus a couple of points against Navy, but you think you think that you like Florida against A&M, and you're not telling me who you like in the Clemson-Miami game. You're not going to tell me. I like Clemson, but I like it to be a fourth-quarter okay. game. Right uh, now that line's 16-17. If you, forced, if you told me I had to pick it, I'd take Miami. The Eric King's, I think, the real deal. I know that Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator there, will confuse him, but that will be an interesting uh, a game between Rhett Lashley and Brent Venables, let alone the uh, Canes and the Tigers. Fantastic. Rick Neuheisel, two times a Pac-12 coach. I went through the whole list of of uh, credentials at the beginning. We thank him for being with us here on Mitchell. You Hilton. forgot, what you did forgot I forget? The, maybe the most important credential. What's that? The football consultants on Point Break. Keanu Reeves, Point Break. <laughs> I'm the football consultant. I think I knew that. I got my SAG card doing that. 
<laughs> is that how you got into Bel Air, or did you get into Bel Air a different way? <laughs> back gate. Back gate is how I got into Bel Air. Yeah. All right. Rick Neuheisel, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing it. Thanks so much. See you, Mitch. Man, Neuheisel's in rare form, isn't he? Picking winners, making some of us some money. Numbers one, two, three, and four win comfortably on Saturday, and we're a month away from Pac-12 football. Washington at Cal, November the 7th, a Tuffy and Jimmy Lake's debut. Chase Garbers, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions last year. The dogs looking for some revenge. It's always great on the Zeke's Pizza hotline to hear from Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. Dan, in the last couple of weeks since we visited last, what's up with Zeke's? Uh, things are going well. Last time we talked, I mentioned to you that more people were out and about coming into our dining rooms, our patios. That trend has continued, so it's been fun. It's nice to see more people dining out, more people out downtown active. Like I say, the dining rooms and patios have been busier uh, than they've been in a long time, and, and that's been fun. I'm hearing rumblings about some new locations, maybe numbers 18 and 19 of Zeke's Pizza. Is that right, Dan? You heard right. We got a restaurant being built in Kenmore, which we're really excited about. We just signed a deal for Mill Creek, which we're really excited about. Uh, there's a couple others in process that if they come through, we'll be up to 21 total. And uh, what happened is people saw how well we did during COVID, our profile and our brand. The awareness of it was raised quite a bit uh, with the franchising community. They saw especially what we were doing on beer delivery. And so for the past six or eight weeks or so, we've We've had more people inquiring about franchises than we ever have. And so it's, it's pretty exciting to have this much momentum. Uh, it's good, good anytime, but particularly in the time of COVID when, you know, a lot in our industry are basically on life support. So what you mean to say is all these people have been hearing you guys on Mitch Unfiltered and hear Mitch talking about it and tweeting about it. And that's why the new locations are. Are, are rising, right? Exactly. We actually do get, you know, your 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 audience is definitely uh, super passionate, and and we love that. And we actually do get people talking about franchises and inquiring about it. And we, my guess is someday that'll actually happen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what's the Dan Black family been eating these days in terms of Zeke's Pizza? What are your favorites? Yeah, you know, last time you asked, I mentioned our seasonal pies, the heirloom tomato stuff, which was really good. We actually, the Black family OD'd on those enough. We've gone back to ordering some stuff off for the regular menu. And so we've been doing Wood Butcher, Cherry Bomb, two of the classics. Those are really good. My wife Molly really likes the tie one on. She orders off the wine menu. I order off the beer menu. Zeke and Destroy and Hop Tropic are my favorite. She's been drinking the uh, La Cole Rosé since it's been sunny out. And so, yeah, we've kind of gone back to a few of the classics lately. All right, download the Zeke's Pizza app like the Blacks do, like the Levies do, like everybody else does. It's a great time of the year football season to order in from Zeke's Pizza. Zeke's Pizza is a great partner. They've been a great sponsor going back to the radio days, and they are homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. You know, when I'm thinking about the economy, look, we've mentioned this before, no vaccine, no meaningful recovery. We bounced back from the lows of March and April, but we're only operating around 80% capacity. So when I'm thinking about the economy, I'm thinking that, well, okay, we've reopened partially, but all the low-hanging fruit has been picked. All the easy things have been done. Now the hard part begins. Our next guest recently wrote a piece questioning
questioning the viability of the college football economic model in this unprecedented time of uncertainty as we await a vaccine. He's the chief economist at one of the largest accounting firms in the U.S., RSM. He's also part of the Wall Street Journal's forecasting panel. He's Joe Brusuelas on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Joe, thanks for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. I'm really happy to be here. As the world awaits a vaccine, you believe there are athletic departments and football programs whose lives depend on it and may not survive a long wait for a vaccine. Explain your position on this, Joe. Well, you know, in the economics world, we've come to the conclusion that we won't have a meaningful recovery in this country until we have a vaccine. And that vaccine may be some ways off. It does look like even if we get a vaccine, say, by the middle of 2021, you won't get the distribution and the production until the middle of 2022. So that does imply we will have another full season of college football where things are going to be fairly impaired. By that, I mean less individuals in the seats and probably less football games. When you begin to peel the layers of the onion back and look at the balance sheet of college football, then the Power Five conferences, and even the individual programs themselves, what you find out is college football is over-dependent upon ticket sales, which result for around 70% of all revenues, media, which is about 29% of all revenues, and then institutional or government support, which which is responsible for about 10% of all revenues. So almost 60% of all the revenues are going to come from areas that you got to think are going to be impaired for at least a whole nother year. That doesn't bode well for that business model that underscores college football. You broke down just now and in your piece that I'm referring to the uh, the money that comes in, but it, it changes from big five conference programs to those other smaller athletic programs that don't have the big revenue generating television deals that the big ones have, right? No, that's true. So the power five versus the group of five, the haves versus have nots. It looks a lot like our own society. You know, if you're Notre Dame or USC and you've got a large endowment or you're the University of Texas and you've got your own TV network, well, things are going to be difficult. You're going to have to lay some people off. Lots of football coaches were furloughed during the worst portions of the pandemic earlier this year, but they're going to survive this. It's the group of five, though, where you're likely to see some real damage going forward. And, you know, over the last 20 years, that's why we see football on Wednesday. That's why we see football on Thursday. That's become the core of college football. Right. Your opinion, Joe, has different layers. Typically, we as fans don't consider how a significant reduction in revenue for these programs could actually impact the quality of the product on the field. You stated within your piece that you believe that could be the case and that could be where we're heading. Break that down for us. All right. Anyone who spent some time in and around college football, I did my doctoral work at the University of Southern California. I participated in their guest coach program. You really get to see up close and personal the way in which these programs work. You know, it's about the training table. That's the special facility where the players and the athletes eat. They get nutritional counseling. They take care of themselves. Then there are the facilities, the weight room, the film room, everything that goes into the entire production of college football. If you don't have the money to support that, to engage in upkeeps, to get the best talent and to work with your athletes, well, 
you're going to fall behind and the quality of play will deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that really only someone who's been on the inside, you can really get a sense of just how difficult it is to put together a good program and a program that is competitive on a sustained basis. You need large sums of revenue coming in on a sustained basis. That now is going to be uh, curtailed. Uh, but there's no place at this moment for high school superstar football players to go, really, other than college. They can't go straight to the pros. There's no minor league. There's no real Europe option or option overseas. So for now, all of those great players still have to play college football. You'd agree with that, right? No, I definitely agree with that. Until the NFL deploys an NBA uh, development league uh I would say that uh, they've got a monopoly on the pipeline of talent. Yeah. Let's talk about the government subsidies yeah. equation in all of this, Joe. The big issue for non-Big Five schools, I call them non-Big Five schools, I know that there's a, a technical term for them, is that government subsidies might dry up as local and state governments spend their money elsewhere during this pandemic it's like 2% versus 35% big schools, small schools. That's what you said in the article, right? That's right. So, And this is where this gets difficult. Of course, 2020 is going to be the year from hell that none of us ever forget. The economic damage wrought by the pandemic to state and local government balance sheets is enormous. Right now, we're having a national crisis over whether to engage in what we call a fifth round of fiscal aid. One party doesn't want to do much on that side. The other party wants to put up words of half a trillion dollars on the table to plug those holes, to keep from a condition whereby we have to lay off firemen, policemen, teachers. Just over the past seven months, man, Mitch, I want to, I want to emphasize this. Over the past seven months, we've had to lay off 1.48 million public sector workers. And that's just, you know, and that's a very short period of time. So when one takes a step back and thinks about how government support will translate into less revenues into uh, the NCAA and college football. Well, one should suspect that this is going to go on, and indeed, it's likely to dry up. And, you know, we're in a situation where these programs end up allocating roughly about 18% just towards coaches' compensation, another 18% of revenues go towards support, admin, and compensation. And then another 22% for facilities and equipment. One doesn't have to be a rocket scientist right, to figure right, out right. that there's this, this business model is not going to be sustained right. in the same way. He's the chief economist at one of the largest accounting firms in the country, RSM. So then the question becomes, Joe, and you explore this in the article, and we'll post a link to the article on all of our uh, social media and our websites. The, the next question then becomes, okay, how do we get through this as a program? How do we get through this as an athletic department? Let's say we've got another year. Maybe it's not till 21 or 22 that we're out of the woods. That's when these billion-dollar endowments at some of the huge schools like USC, like Stanford. I think Stanford's got the biggest, Stanford and Harvard have the biggest endowments in the country. The the private school versus public school issue in all of this. Right. Those endowments are going to be tapped to sustain these programs. I would suspect that the first place where the universities and the conferences will look to is, do they want to continue with the sort of the the bowl framework where we have all these unnecessary exhibition games in the postseason 
They can become very expensive. Do you want to begin to roll those back? Then there's probably going to have to be a come to Jesus moment where the NCAA, the conferences and the media are going to have to have a long-term discussion about how they want to structure the flow of cash vis-a-vis the advertising that happens into the programs. And then there, you know, this is the elephant in the room. It's very clear we've reached a point where the players are going to have to be compensated. We, we, we just no longer can avoid that. Given the sort of the, the racial reckoning in the country, the way in which, and this happened well before 2020, the players have slowly come to realize that they really are being exploited. My sense here is, is that we're on the cusp of long-term structural change in the game. I love the game. I grew up in Southern California. I don't want to see it go away. But it's time that we begin to think about how to restructure the game. So there's, it's a more equitable sharing of the profits. And you put the game and its conferences on a more long-term, sustainable footing. You and I have spoken eight or ten minutes about the economic model, how it's broken, how it needs to change. And we haven't even brought up maybe the top dog in all of this which are the television companies that pay all this money to broadcast these games, right? Right. The trickle-down impact, if these television companies are struggling with ad revenue, let's say the ad revenue during the pandemic is down because companies can't spend on ESPN. Now you've got ESPN and CBS and some of these networks looking to renegotiate their deals with college football powers, and that means less money from television could ultimately be a part of all this. Well, you're right. That's the gorilla in the room, right? Why am I paying $200 a month for basic or what I consider a basic cable package is because I love live sports. If those live sports are not there, I'm not paying that. And you get a very direct ripple response, right? If the University of Washington and University of Southern California are only playing six or seven games this year, as opposed to the 14 that we thought we'd see, well, that $2.5 billion that flows into college football for media rights that's not going to be there going forward. Mm-hmm. So I guess at the end of the day, if you were an advisor to an AD or a chancellor at either one of these big-time college football schools with a huge endowment, safety net, or maybe even one of these smaller schools that doesn't have that endowment, doesn't have that net, what would you say to them? What, you, would, your, what would Joe's advice be to Notre Dame or USC or to some of the smaller schools like Boise State or somebody like that? Okay, you're in the mission of educating America's population. You're America's university. Sports is something nice to have, but it may not be, you know, necessary. As an economist, we like to think of necessities versus luxuries. In many cases, these are a luxury. Downsize the departments, put your finances on a more sustainable footing. You're going to have to move some scholarship sports over to club, to club sports. Yes, that means the Big Ten won't be able to fill programming 24-7 on its Big Ten network, but in the long run, you're going to be much better off. And then you have to really begin thinking about your responsibilities to your population under Title IX, and then the profit sharing and the payments you're going to have to start making to players in the big sports, college football and college basketball. We are on the cusp of really exciting times if you're interested in intercollegiate athletics and if you're really interested in the business of college sports. All right. Joe, before you go, can I ask you to veer off one question off of sports entirely? Because I have you and I have your expertise. I might as well tap into it. 
help an economic layman like me, and I'm certain there's a lot of people in our audience that feel the same way, understand the disconnect between the economy and the stock market in the last several months. Why, why is the latter able to thrive in the last, let's say, 120 days as the country's overall health, economic health, is tenuous at best? Explain it to me in the simplest form, if you don't mind. Sure. If you inhabit the real economy, the non-financial economy, we suffered a depression-like shock, but we were able to de- avoid that depression because both the, the central bank and the federal government responded quickly. The stock market is disconnected from that real economy because it is overrepresented with companies who operate in both what we call the tech, media, and telecommunication sector, as well as the what we call life sciences or think science and math businesses. They are impervious to the pandemic. Right. Right. right? If you if you are exposed in the stock market to telecommunication companies who are going to begin to put in what's called five, the 5G network, pandemic's not going to get in the way of that. If you own shares of Zoom, you're part of that Zoom economy. I went from flying all over the world doing 200,000 miles a year, talking about the domestic and global economy, to finding a safe place here in Austin, Texas, and I work via Zoom. It's like nothing ever changed except I'm not on an airplane anymore. I get eight hours of sleep and I'm healthier. If you are a worker like that, it's almost like nothing ever happened. But if you're not, your world is very different from those who live in that world. And I want to be real clear about that. If you live in the real economy, it's going to be difficult for some time. Is there a day coming or a period coming where it equalizes, the two things become more connected, or will that never Will that never appear, or is that just anybody's guess? I guess if you if you knew the answer to that question, you wouldn't be talking to me. You'd be in Tahiti counting your money right about now. Okay, well, let me say this. is that We all have to be optimistic about that. America is a resilient country, and it's based on the foundation of a resilient economy. Time passes, things change. But that change is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult, and it's going to take some number of years. But we'll get there to a point where that stock market will look a lot more like the real economy, and we'll all be better off for it. Joe Brusuelas is with us, uh, the chief economist at one of the, as I said, largest accounting firms in the U.S., RSM, to explain his views of college football, how it's broken. We all love college football, right? We all want college football to be as healthy as possible for the next hundred years for our children and their children. There just needs to be some economic uh, reckoning here as to how they're going to get out of this, this period over the next 24 to maybe even 48 months. Thank you so much, Joe. It's great to visit with I hope we can call upon you again sometime. Would love to do that. Thank you. Best of luck, everybody. Economist Joe Brusuelas on college football's business model, which he says is unsustainable in the wake of the upheaval from COVID-19, especially in the smaller non-Big Five conference teams. We need a vaccine and a vaccine fast. You've undoubtedly heard that our Beat the Boys contest is presented by Fireside Home Solutions. And here's the grand poobah, the owner, John Waterstrat, who told us the Seahawks were going to go 11-5 and five last time we checked in on him. Hiya, John. How's business, by the way, over at your place and places in the midst of the pandemic will fall here? 
Well, we can't be more blessed, Mitch. Uh, it's been great. Uh, we're, we're blessed to be in a place like the Puget Sound where our customers are keep coming in, buying fireplaces, not only fireplaces, but garage doors and continue to look to upgrade their homes. You told us about the 35-year history, John, of Fireside Home Solutions since 1985 in our last chat. What you didn't do was explain to our listeners a few of the reasons why an efficient gas fireplace is the way to go in 2020. Well, there's a couple great reasons for a gas fireplace. Number one, it's the cleanest burning appliance you can purchase for your home. Unlike wood and pellets that you have to carry wood into your house or those heavy bags of pellets, you have that gas fireplace that's nice and clean. You hit a remote control, hit a switch, the fireplace is on. Another great option for the fireplace as well is it zone heats your home. You get that whole nice warm experience in those gathering places in your home. So instead of heating your entire house, we can warm up your room right there. does a nice job and you get that little gathering space especially when you're watching football you just get that warm feeling in your house instead of having that cold air being infiltrating into your home it keeps that space warm john you guys handle all the big boys in the fireplace arena who are some of the big ones and talk about how you're kind of a one-stop shop with the service that you offer as well yep uh, we do carry the the biggest brands and uh like heat and glow they do a great job of providing us the product on time and the same thing we do on time and professionally installed, have a great warranty track record with our service department. We can keep your appliance running year after year. John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions, our presenting sponsor of the Beat the Boys contest. Everybody's having a lot of fun with that. Start your search for a brand new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. Episode 111, the Seahawks are 4-0 after a, uh, a big victory over the Dolphins in Miami. Is it too soon on 111P this coming Thursday to toss in a little Mr. Postseason? No, we, I mean, the problem is, is that now I have to, like, think and pay attention. <laughs> no, you don't really. I think the early ones, <laughs> okay. you don't do the, the deep dives oh, that okay. Mr. Postseason would do, like, after week 12 or week 13. But is it too soon after four games to talk about how the Seahawks are the number one seed in the NFC West? It's never too soon for Well, that, no, right? I, th- I think it's— Or in it's, the NFC, I should say. Yeah. It's not too soon, and then there's an extra playoff team. So I'm kind of curious how that's team. all going to play out. only one bye. Yeah. We want the bye. Sure. Seahawks want the bye, and there's yep. only going to be one handed out in the NFC and one in the AFC. Yeah, when does tail of the tape start? I think this week. I think four games worth oh, of stats More this paying week. attention. Holy crap. <laughs> Math and paying attention. And, uh, well, we can ditch it this year. No, no, we got to do it. No. All right, I think we've all heard the story by now. It was a sad day over the weekend for one of our favorite New Yorkers who surprisingly ended up in the hospital over – Rick Moranis. Oh my God! Was sucker punch while walking I, I down the saw, street. Did you see the video? I, I couldn't watch it. Okay, well the video doesn't show. You can okay. watch a video because it's really distant. They have a picture of the guy. You see more of the guy as he's walking away than the actual conflict. It's really kind of little tiny in the corner. But I saw the somebody has surveillance video of of Gosh. Rick Moranis. Revenge of the Nerds, right? No, not Revenge of the Nerds. No, no, not. 
Okay. That well, was a little too dirty for him. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or Correct. something? Correct. Okay. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, yeah. sorry. And Ghostbusters. Oh, Ghostbusters. The first one or the second one. He's just walking down the street in New York and the guy just popped him. I know. For no apparent reason. Rick Moranis hasn't acted in 20 years. And he's... he hasn't said anything bad to anybody either. <laughs> I know. What does Rick Moranis do to anyone? It's not like he made a movie the guy hates. He doesn't work anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't think he robbed him. Yeah, he just socked him. He just was, they were like walking down the yeah. street in New York and he turned and he punched him. Rick Moranis. Knocked him down. 65 years old. Yeah. But there are some high def pictures of the suspect that have come oh. out since. Oh. So I hope they How get about it. high def pictures of the actual punch? That I haven't seen, but oh I, I did God. see some pictures that the yeah, police put I saw out. So that. He's, he's doing okay. He was released from the hospital. He's yeah. fine. I want to go back on my other stuff. I want to go back to Bob Gibson, who passed away at the age of 84. And I'm not sure that you or me or anybody else is old enough to remember Bob Gibson, but it needs to, it needs to be stated for the record. This was one of, if not the most dominant right handed pitchers of his era than, 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 than anybody before him or after him. You understand, I'm going to give you a season, 1968. Okay. Okay. 22 and 9, 1.12 earned run. I'm, I want to say that again. Starting pitcher, not a reliever, not a bullpen guy that comes out for three outs. 1968, 22 and 9, 1.12 ERA. So the question is, how did he lose nine right. games with a 1.12 ERA? I was just going to say, thanks, team. Thanks, team, for not ever hitting it when I pitch. He had 34 starts. How many complete games do you think he threw in 1968 out of the 34 starts? Uh, half. How about 28? <laughs> 28 out of 34 complete games. How many shutouts do you think he had? Out of 34 starts? Out of 34 uh, starts. I have no idea. 13 shutouts. Jeez. He was so good, hot shot, that Major League Baseball changed the mound the following year. Really? Yes. They lowered the mound the following year. The higher the mound the more beneficial to the pitcher and the breaking stuff oh, gotcha. coming down at you. They literally Bob Gibsoned the mound. This is how good he was. And here's my favorite stat in the other stuff segment about Bob Gibson. Okay. So he's one of the greatest, most feared right-handed pitchers of his generation, right? Yep. Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. In 1970, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Bob Gibson. Hit 303 at the place. Jeez, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I had. And a... by the way, I'm not talking about three out of 10. I'm not talking about six out of 20. Yeah. I'm not talking about nine out of 30. He was 33 of 109 at the play. He had 109 at bats. He hit over 300 for the Cardinals. Now, when was the last time a pitcher? Crazy. With over 100 at-bats in the – first of all, pitcher never gets 100 at-bats in a season yeah. because they don't pitch enough to be able to have 100 pitch. He was just throwing complete game after <laughs> – right. he was getting four at-bats every time <laughs> right. he pitched. He hit over 300. Is that an athlete or not? Yeah, I and read, by the way, he hit five home runs in 1972. He had five home runs in that particular year. I already started nine World Series games, finished every one of them, and then he also had two home runs and 28 at-bats. Amazing. Bob Gibson, dead at the age of 84. I mean, is Sorry he considered the – Rest in peace. Top five pitcher of all time? I mean, like, where, where is he in You'd the... have to ask your buddy Sir Lawrence Stone. He yeah. can tell you that. He's okay. right in the mix, I would think. But if, if, I, I think you got to go righties and lefties, first of all. Okay. I think he'd probably be in the discussion for top five righties of all time. Jeez. Rest in peace. That's quite the career, huh? Well, he didn't have the career that, like, Greg Maddox had. Like, like if, you compared, if you compared Greg Maddox to, to Bob Gibson... 
Greg Maddox would have had 300-plus wins, many more Cy Youngs, many more gold gloves. He had a better career. Gibson, but Gibson... In, the, in his prime right there in 1968-69-70 was better than Greg Maddox ever was. So you, I, don't know how I, gotcha. you, okay. I don't know how you have that conversation. Is it who was unbelievable at a time or who had the, the, the grandiose career? That's a I conversation see. for somebody else. But go ahead. That's, that's my other stuff. The Houston Texans were expected to sign Earl Thomas after starting 0-3. Yeah, something, something happened. Now 0-4, by the way. The reason he was not signed is because a bunch of players went to Bill O'Brien complaining, saying they don't want Earl Thomas wow, on this team and in this locker room. Happened? Numerous Texans... What ex- happened? Well, numerous players expressed their displeasure about bringing Thomas into their locker room, team sources said, ultimately convincing coach slash general manager Bill O'Brien to back off per People Jason LaConfora of CBS. People don't like Earl Thomas. It's crazy that he's become this guy. He used to be so damn likable. I know. I know. He, he like During like the Super... Remember, he's running around the field. He's hooting and hollering and cheering and jumping in Cam's arms and yeah. seemed like he just loved the sport and now right. he's just this guy. All right, I'm up. Other stuff. Here's the Pac-12. Here's the uh, here's the Washington schedule. We haven't gone over it. UW versus Cal on November the 7th. Win or loss? Loss. Oh, really? Yeah. Jimmy Lake's debut in yeah. Berkeley. He's going to lose in Berkeley I, I with no so. fans. Yeah. Well, there's never any fans in Berkeley. Um, <laughs> up on the hill. Then they go Oregon State at home. Win. Arizona at home. That's their one cross-divisional game. Win. At Washington State. Loss. Really? Yep. Jimmy Lake's defenses against Washington State. They own Washington State. It's going to be a down year for the Huskies, I'm predicting. Two and two. Home against Stanford. Win. Really? Yep. Surprise some people. This bell. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, Oregon at Oregon. That's a loss. And then they finish with the same finisher of the other division should they not be in the Pac-12 championship game. And then uh, a day later, the playoffs are announced and they wouldn't be in the playoffs they would if not they have be. that kind of a year. What do you okay. think about the Huskies? Have you looked into them at all? I don't know much about them. I just know that uh, they're going to play seven games and Oregon's the, the dominant favorite, at least from what everybody says in the Pac-12. To, Oregon would be the team that might represent the Pac-12 in the NCAA Final Four if there is a Pac-12 team in the Final Four. So okay. we'll see. All right. Yeah. Imagine being at a restaurant and in walks Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, Richard Dent, and Don King. All right. That's exactly what well, happened. Yeah. If I was in that restaurant, <laughs> yeah. I would fall over because Walter Payton, if Walter Payton's walking into a restaurant, <laughs> they wheeled him in. Not the other guys, yeah. but if Walter but wheeled him in, yeah. Okay. It's 1988. Okay. 1980. Now do you feel better? Okay. Tell me the guys again. Mike Tyson. Yeah. I mean, this is 1988, Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, Richard Dent, and Don King, of all people. Jeez. Well, Don King probably yeah, is yeah, Mike Tyson. Yeah, he's not an athlete. Get out of here. It's yeah. just, this, you know, what do you know? So that's Did that just, really happen? That happened to a couple back in the Is that the, the beginning 19- of a joke? No, no, it sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Walk into a bar. Back in 1988, they were they com- commemorated the moment by getting all those legends to sign their menu, and now that menu's up for auction if you'd like to have all five of those. They were there the same night? Yep. And what rest- restaurant was this? Lino's Restaurante in Chicago to celebrate oh. Richard Dent's 28th oh, birthday. Oh, okay. It was a little birthday party. Yeah, a little birthday party. So okay. it's hitting the auction block. Got it. On October 20th, we're told it could get up to Got five it. figures. Saturday Night Live's debut episode. Did yes. you watch? You're going to tell me no. I put it on record and I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. Or did you watch it? Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> I watched through Weekend Update. Okay. Yeah, so I got a good good chunk okay. of it. Yeah. Where are we on Jim Carrey as Joe Biden? 
when I when it was first announced, I I wasn't I was kind of like mm, that's a little weird, but then as I watched him, I'm, I said to my wife, let's appreciate that this A list comedy legend is on freaking Saturday Night Live. I thought he was really funny. I loved it. How you about loved you? him. Yeah, but I love him. I don't know why every time I watched him do something in his Joe Biden routine that I thought of the fireman. <laughs> fireman Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put the, the lift up here. Did, <laughs> did you like Chris Rock in his opening remarks? But again, I love Chris Rock. So yes. Okay. I, I love both of those guys. I've always loved Did them. you giggle at the federal name changing building? The very first skit where they were changing the names where people were standing in Edith Pucci. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, the, the guy had, had a B. You talk about the uh, the easiest laugh. Yeah, that was great. Who, who's the, the guy that, oh, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey B. Epstein. Uh, I feel like you forgot the B again. The, the name changing. Yeah. If you only watch one, I, I guess the I guess the opening was pretty good with the debate and Joe Biden yeah, and Donald Trump. You got to do it's that. Pretty, you got to watch that. But the first segment out of the gate after the, uh, after the monologue by Chris Rock is this newscast they go live to the federal building i think in pittsburgh pennsylvania somewhere in pennsylvania yeah. where it's the name changing it's all these people in line that want to change their names and it is it's it, it's low-hanging fruit for it's, sure it's very easy humor yep. but it i don't know i was gigg- funny. I, I giggled so yeah. oh god i thought that was so funny yeah no it was it was good i'm glad it's back yeah. u.s congressman max rose he's a decorated war veteran lifelong knicks fan said he's sick and tired of watching the knicks suck and he publicly called for Knicks owner James Dolan to sell the damn team already. Hmm. Now, I don't know this about Mr. Dolan, but apparently he's banned other fans from Madison Square Garden. Yeah, like Charles Oakley. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's one of them for saying the same thing. So he clearly saw this, and he immediately began a campaign supporting Rose's political opponent, this James Dolan. Just, just well, petty. James Dolan, yeah. I mean, so yeah, so... Think about it. This guy says, think about what's been happening in the 21st century. On an aggregate basis, the Knicks have the worst record in the NBA, and nonetheless, they have spent the most money. I mean, he's just pissed as a Knicks fan. All Knicks fans it's, are pissed. But it's been bad for a while, he's years saying. Years and years and yeah, years. Years and years. Yeah, bad. So he even brought up the beef with Charles Oakley, like you said. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. He told Dolan, I won't be silenced. Like, so we'll see what happens. He's not happy. Okay. Anything else over there? Yeah, I got one more I can oh, probably you find. Do? Let me see here. You sure? Let me do a little scrolling. We could we could hold it until 111P with it's, Mr. Postseason. It's kind, of, it's kind of a quick one. Okay. Yep. A Florida woman. <laughs> oh, God. She put on quite a show in front of a 7-Eleven. Police allege that Vanessa Jones was partaking in touchy selfie, as I like to call it, while outside of oh. 7-Eleven in St. Petersburg, Florida, around 11 a.m. Wednesday. St. Petersburg, Florida. I mean, it's like your state just cannot control themselves. There's people down there. So Jones, who denied engaging in that illicit behavior, she's locked up in the county jail on $10,000 bond. Really? Well, just know that uh, she did it in the presence of a minor, which is now a felony. Oh, jeez. Right. Well, it's a store. I mean, there's all kinds of people going in there, right? She was arrested for lewd and lascivious exhibition, so it's a felony Outside of a 7-Eleven? Outside of 7-Eleven. In her car or? Not in her car. No. Not in her car. Nobody knows why. Like, but she, she denies it, to be fair to her. But in recent months, she's been convicted of trespassing and possession of synthetic marijuana. And what is her name? What is her first name? Or do we not have her name? What, do you want to be Facebook friends with no, her? No, no. <laughs> Vanessa Jones. Vanessa Jones. Yes. Okay. All right. Did you make that up, Vanessa Jones? Uh, no, I didn't, actually. That's really That's her name. That's her real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a police report. You know, okay. it's public. You can, right. Anyone can look at it. Are we done with 111 or no? 
The man who reported the incident, he was so outraged by it that he waited a good 30 minutes to call police. <laughs> Look, I'm excited about the return of pumpkin spice coffee as well. Just not that excited. <laughs> Probably not what the marketing team had in mind at 7-Eleven when coming up with thank heaven for 7-Eleven. <laughs> and finally, your move, Tungus. I knew that would go over your head. I don't get that. The AMPM mascot, that no. weird-looking creature, no. nothing. Oh, I know who that. Oh, I know what you're talking. Yeah, he's about. got a name, Tungus. He did <laughs> no. too much good stuff. No, I don't know anything. Uh, I can picture him though. Yeah, he's weird. He's, a, he's not a good-looking fellow. Got like hot dogs hanging <laughs> yeah, off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So it's now his move. 7-Elevens uh, stepping up their game. All so right, episode go. 111. What do we have to recap? We got 111P with Mr. Postseason, right? Yep. We've got Beat the Boys entering in its fifth week. You're just, you're just. I, I came back with a little two and one. That should help a little bit, not a lot. Yeah, we went 500 as a team. Go ahead. 500 as a team. Uh, by the way, it would be a nice gesture if you just didn't make picks in week five. But if you, <laughs> but if you right. let us catch up a little bit. But yeah. if you decide that you insist on making picks, here is your code word to get into the system for weekend number five in the uh, Beat the Boys contest presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Here's your code word. <laughs> and don't forget, don't forget, Tuesday, come join me. Come join me. Go to your favorite Taco Time right. location. Order ahead on the Taco Time app. Everybody gets four for the price of two Great tacos deal. thanks to the two running touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns from Chris Carson. All right? Back to the Beat the Boys competition. It's not case sensitive. Nothing. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? So the, It's not a capital sniff. Just a lowercase <laughs> sniff, all right? In case anyone was wondering. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to get to that page. It's going to be on their screen, and they're not going to type anything. They're just going to go... <laughs> And see if it works. Yeah. Turn your mic on first. Turn your mic on. It's got to translate it. Episode 111, <laughs> folks.